plots of land and the starry skies above. Don't fence me in. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. Don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me off forever, but I ask you please. Don't fence me How you doing? Good morning and happy Thursday to all of you. It's Radio Free Almanac. It's a sunny, beautiful Thursday. Good morning this morning. Uh, just a little later on, we're going to possibly check in with Tony Minetti as things get right to the core here as we go into the primary. Tony Minetti made a statement the other day that kind of uh, rocked a little bit of the conservative world in coming out against right to work. Now, keep in mind, this is all with the, or or maybe even just kind of saying he was suspicious of it. Well, we're going to kind of get his uh, full-blown view of this by talking to him. And I do believe that, it's unnecessary for him to talk about right to work because right to work is not a federal issue, but it is 
important for him to actually weigh in on labor issues, I suppose. But for whatever reason, he decided he was going to he was going to weigh in on the right to work issue. And for a lot of people who are in a situation where, well, like a lot of you, where you are kind of in a mode where you're trying to figure out ways to snip people off the list. You know what I mean? You know how it is when there are individuals who are, well, accepting people for school or maybe even for a job offer or whatever. They are trying to figure out ways to perhaps uh, thin the herd, so to speak. And for a lot of people, the right-to-work issue was a situation where they decided they're going to uh, thin the herd with the viewpoint that they are hearing from Tony Minetti on right to work. So I, I don't know. I if if I was advising him, I wouldn't have uh, I wouldn't have said anything about it because I just again I, I just think it's unnecessary for him to weigh in on the matter. But I do certainly appreciate his viewpoint of it. I've. I've never been necessarily in a situation where I thought right to work was a done deal or a solution to all the problems. I've always been kind of middle of the road about that because I have a lot of trade union guys who listen to the show and who have listened to my show. And so I have always been in a situation where I've I've never been falling for right to work hook, line and sinker, but at the same time, I, a lot of people I trust do support it, so I'm, in a sense, taking their word for it, but at the same time, I'm not fully sold on it. So it's not beyond the realm of comprehension that a conservative person would, in a situation, be where you know, you're not fully on board with whatever right to work happens to be. So I understand that. I get it. But nonetheless, I think it was an unnecessary kind of hit for him, and we'll get into that with him when he calls into the show, or if he has time this morning, we'll kind of get him on with us and figure out a way to uh, deal with that and talk to him. Also, I am going to talk a little bit about the Pope and his views on the death penalty and all that kind of stuff. You know, the Pope now... uh, changes the teaching, so to speak, on the death penalty and says the new policy, which is now published on as of today, the new policy is that the death penalty is uh, inadmissible because it affects and attacks the inherent dignity of all human beings. So that was an interesting development for the Catholic Church, and that's an interesting thing for a lot of people who were talking about the pro-life stance of the church and their own pro-life stance, and the fact of the matter is it's always been my view that I have been opposed to the death penalty, and it's because I'm pro-life. So that's one of the reasons why I would be in favor of what the Pope says about the death penalty. And the Vatican said that 
Pope Francis had approved a complete change to the catechism of the Catholic Church, which is really a pretty big deal. It's uh, the compilation of a the official Catholic Church teaching. And previously, the catechism said the church didn't exclude recourse to capital punishment. If this is the only possible way of effectively defending human lives against an unjust aggressor. So the new teaching, which is now contained in Catechism number 2267, people, says the previous policy is outdated and that there are other ways to protect the common good. So consequently, the church teaches in the light of the gospel that the death penalty is inadmissible because it is an attack on the inviolability and dignity of the person. And so now the church is, I would have almost said hell-bent, but can you say hell-bent when you are talking about the Catholic Church? I guess so. But nonetheless, they are in a situation where uh, they have said, nope, we now see it as in, uh, totally inadmissible. That's a pretty darn big deal. This is a pretty darn big deal when it comes to the Catholic Church teaching. And so uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Jimmy Carafano going to be joining us just about uh, 7 o'clock and going to talk to him about what North Korea is up to and also about the fact that they are bringing bodies home, what they think are bodies, of those killed in the Korean War and, or whatever happened to them. And these are American soldiers. And, man, I don't know whether you caught the Mike Pence deal where he was giving his speech there in accepting these remains. We call them alleged remains or what are purported to be remains because we are in a situation where the North Koreans have traditionally and too often – just put like raccoon bones and things in boxes when they are handing them to us. They've often stuffed boxes with things that are not actually human remains. And so that's why the forensic guys are all going to go through them and try to ID them and things like that because you can never trust the North Koreans. But the Penn speech was really something, and it was tied into to his to his father's service in the Korean War, uh, who came back, by the way, alive. It came back with a bronze star. So that's a pretty big deal. But uh, Vice President Pence was really pretty amazing in his speech there. And so we'll follow up on that. I had no idea when I heard about this and and, and heard about this deal. And, and this is one of the beautiful things as a result of President Trump, who's always been purported to be a guy who won't cooperate with anybody and isn't going to talk to anybody and is going to blow up the world and blah, blah, blah. And he talks to the North Koreans as, and does something that is ultimately certainly giving so many families of those killed in North Korea peace of mind. And this is a big deal. I didn't know, and, and that's, again, talking about the so-called forgotten war, 
I didn't know that upwards of 33,000 Americans died in the Korean War. That's astounding to me. I actually am ashamed to know and to admit that I didn't I didn't know that. I knew that there were thousands of people who died of men who died and, and women who died in the Korean War, but I didn't know it was upwards of 33,000 people. And that's just amazing. So we'll talk more about that as well. Also, I got to tackle this Jim Acosta thing. I don't know whether you heard him. Uh, he's claiming that President Trump is the one who is inflaming the angry mobs against him at these rallies and against the press. And the reality is all you have to do is watch a little Jim Acosta and you are inflamed yourself. You don't need President Trump to call the enemedia the enemedia. You don't need him to do that if all you do is watch the enemedia in action. And now, of course, as is with the dishonest enemedia, they lie about the circumstances surrounding all of the anger towards them. They assume it's just President Trump who's bringing it on. But again, all you have to do is watch a news conference, watch anything related to the behavior of the press, and it's pretty easy to determine that, yeah, they're a bunch of damn fools and they don't care about this country as much as they do about their so-called careers. And so Jim Acosta can blame Trump all he wants, but it's on Jim Acosta. And I realize there, there have been some tweets out there showing, yeah, well, look at Jim Acosta. He goes out and he's talking to all these people and he has conversations with all of these individuals. And look, he spent 15 minutes with this. I, I get it. Uh, the fact that Jim Acosta happens to be a nice guy doesn't take away the fact that he's a journalistic hack and probably the symbol of the enemy in this country. So he can be as nice as he can be. He can bring flowers to Trump supporters yelling CNN sucks and he'll still suck. That's just the bottom line. Anyway, here he is uh, whining about the treatment of the press. Jim, we've seen your, your videos and I've, I've been to these events too. I've met with countless yep. Trump supporters. Even I was shocked at the level of vitriol that was aimed your way last night. I think this is S.E. Cup, by the way who used to be a credible conservative and this is she's on MRC TV now used to be a credible conservative but she wound up being kind of the uh, wandering around with the ne'er-do-wells a la Pinocchio and decided it was a good move for her to be among the never trumpers and so yeah this is what you're getting. You're getting the never Trumpers who will pick up anything because they're they're also part of the left wing cabal because they've always hated Trump supporters. They've always thought that Trump supporters were deplorable. They always thought that the blue collar towns, we, they always thought that should die. They always thought that and called our concerns about the economy, our concerns about immigration, our concerns about fair trade. They always called them grievances. And S.E. Cup was no 
exception to all of that in the National Review. The, the guys over at Hot Air, Ed Morrissey and Alla Pundit and these guys, they all referred to our concerns about this country as grievances. And she's one of them. And they just, they just think that our concern, we're just a bunch of xenophobic white trash. That's what the never Trumpers believe. They're no different than the left. And they are just as dangerous, if not more, because they're wandering around among us, sabotaging our president, sabotaging our initiatives and sabotaging our concerns. So I have very little patience for SE Cup. Used to, used to like her. But, yeah, Vicky, she completely turned. But here she is uh, sucking up to Jim Acosta, who is this. I'm telling you, man, this guy, I've seen him. I saw him at the debates that were taking place at Wash U. And I've seen him anchoring before on CNN. And the inside on him among the individuals at CNN is this guy is not very talented. This guy has never been seen as a breakout TV star. He's always been seen as very pedestrian, very boring, and not too bright, which is why you're seeing these kinds of stunts being pulled because it's in this situation where he's got to do that to make himself in some way, shape, or form relevant but yeah, anyway, Essie Cup and Jim Acosta Give together again. Give us an idea yeah. of what it felt like to be in the middle of it. Well, Essie, I mean, honestly, it felt like we weren't in America anymore. Yeah, kind of like we feel when we're in a line to get into a Trump rally as Americans, right? Kind of the way we feel when we're out and about. Kind of the way we feel sometimes when we have a Trump bumper sticker on our car and we get flipped off. Kind of the way maybe what the woman felt when she was in San Jose and got hit in the face with an egg. Yeah, kind of the way we feel when we were in Washington, D.C. for the inauguration of the president and we saw Americans lighting cars on fire and breaking windows of businesses. Yeah, that's exactly the way we feel. Welcome to the way we feel sometimes about America. When we realize that really, honestly, these people don't reflect it. They reflect instead a third world. But boy, you yell at Jim Acosta that CNN sucks and suddenly it's like the world is ending. I've never seen Jim Acosta do one story interviewing a Trump supporter who had their ass kicked standing outside of a Trump rally or coming out of a Trump rally, which is what we've seen time and time again. Breitbart cataloged countless hundreds of examples of crimes committed against people who supported President Trump. Attacks, vicious attacks. And if they're not vicious attacks, they are attacks on people who dare support him but made a mistake or something on Twitter or whatever, and then suddenly they're punished, mainly because they supported President Trump. And then no one is coming to their rescue 
because those people didn't support President Trump and they don't care anything about you. So Jim Acosta's little whiny little didn't feel like we were in America. Well, let me tell you something. All you have to do is watch what Antifa does and some of these other guys do, and you'll realize that that's kind of the way a lot of us feel too. I'm telling you what, uh, and Paula points this out. Thank you, Paula, that Sarah Huckabee Sanders says free speech does run both ways. And it's so funny how Jim Acosta is so covetous of his First Amendment rights but thinks that yelling CNN sucks is a crime against humanity. He, he acts like it's some kind of crime against the country to yell CNN sucks while he's doing a live shot. Try, try being physically menaced and physically attacked for being a Trump supporter, and then maybe we'll sympathize with whatever it is Jim Acosta's whining about. But boy, this is just like, dude. I don't know how to put it any more plainly than that. Americans should not be treating their fellow Americans in this way. But unfortunately, what we... Has he ever done a story in any way, shape, or form about Americans treating other Americans in the way that we've seen at Trump rallies outside of them and the attacks, the physical attacks of them? Have we ever seen him complain about that at all? How about... The fact that President Trump is a fellow American, too, you know. And so you think it's OK when President Trump, your fellow American, is conducting the affairs of our country in a dignified manner. You think it's OK for you to go out and just scream questions at him that you know he's not going to answer because in for the most part, he can't hear you. Or in another situation, when he's with the Italian prime minister, he's sitting there, and it's not a news conference. Your ass has been invited into the Oval Office. You're lucky to be in there to begin with. So if Jim Acosta would add President Trump to his list of fellow Americans, you think it would still be okay for Jim Acosta to treat the president in the fashion that he's being treated? to treat a president who makes himself more accessible than Obozo ever did. Obozo someone who Jim Acosta spent a large part of his higher echelon career at CNN worshiping. I mean, man, you see sit-down interviews with, with Jim Acosta and, and with these other individuals, uh, with Obama and man, they just sit there and salivate over the guy. You never saw any of these reporters screaming questions at president Obama, the way they're screaming them at president Trump. That's for sure. So Jim Acosta is a symbol of the enemy media. He's part of the enemy media. The media is the enemy media. The media is not in peril. These guys are a bunch of whiny babies and it's even more insulting they're comparing themselves to real journalists who actually have been really attacked around the world and have been attacked for only exercising their first amendment rights so for jim acosta and the media to act as if they're on that level is really sick 
And for Acosta to act as if somehow yelling at him when apparently Jim Acosta can yell at the president, but boy, you yell at Jim Acosta and you're on American. Interesting concept there. Seen and this has been building for some time since the campaign. I've been I've been talking about this as an issue since the campaign, when the president uh, during the campaign referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar, scum, and thieves, and so on. And then he rolled. Yeah, out. And, well, at least he didn't he didn't call you deplorable, like uh, Queen Pantsuit did. I didn't see Jim. I didn't see Jim Acosta actually attacking Hillary Clinton when she called Americans deplorables. And she called them deplorables only because, only because they didn't support her. What kind of America is that when you have a candidate for national office who has decided that she is going to attack other Americans because they simply don't support her? I mean, that, that's, that's a situation that is confounding to me. And I don't, recall, I don't recall that in any way, shape, or form, Jim Acosta has done any story in any way, shape, or form on Hillary Clinton calling other Americans who didn't happen to support her deplorable. So, folks, I have to tell you, Jim Acosta is a fool. He's easy to pick on, and so I'm not really actually trying to, uh, well, in this case, I'm not really trying to beat a dead horse here, but you have to admit that his, hearing him complain and whine is really pretty disgusting. And hearing him in this situation complain and bitch about other Americans who happen to have a real concern about the media and what it's doing to their president. Yeah, it's hard to listen to. But let's listen more, shall we? Why not? Well, we'll go ahead and take the torture. And do uh, the Oval Office and started calling us fake news and the enemy of the people. Uh, he is whipping these crowds up into a frenzy. Yeah. Dude, I got news for you. Every time I watch you, you whip me up into a frenzy. President Trump hasn't doesn't need to say one word to me for me to be whipped up into a frenzy and wish for your demise. And I don't mean your death. I mean your demise. And I have to tell you, too, that it's kind of like terrorists. You know, when people are afraid about saying anything about radical Muslims and they say, oh, you don't want to do that. It'll become a it'll become a recruiting tool. I'm like, listen, the Moods doesn't need any recruiting tools. They're just fine, thank you very much. They don't need any push towards trying to get more people involved. Oh, yeah, don't say that. They're liable to wage a terrorist attack. Oh, really? You mean like the one where they just mowed over a bunch of bicyclists in Tajikistan? What, 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 what motivated them there? 
Of course, nothing. It doesn't take anything except for the color of your skin or the assignation of your passport for the terrorists to go ahead and kill you. So I'm comparing that to these journalists out there who are trying to say that President Trump is egging us on. No, all we have to do is watch a news conference. All we have to do is watch another biased piece of reporting to really see the crimes committed daily to decency. The crimes committed by people like Jim Acosta. Uh, to the point where they, they really want to come after us. And, we, you know, we have these these bike rack-like uh, barriers around the press cage, as we call it. It's interesting uh, how he talks about he has to have these bike rack-like barriers around him to keep people from attacking him. And yet every time I turn around, when I watch his Twitter page and beyond, people are pointing out that, oh, Jim Acosta goes down and actually talks to the people who've been yelling at him and gets pictures with them and talks to them for 15 minutes and going, okay, so why are you telling me how much you're afraid of them when all of your so-called supporters are out there looking in a situation where they are uh, actually conversing with the people yelling at them? I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. So which one is it though? Are you so you are you afraid of people or you are are you Jim Acosta the the nice guy that we have to be subjected to all these pictures of you shaking hands with the people yelling at you? Which one is it? Because he's talking about all these barriers around him. You know, the only thing keeping me from being getting my ass kicked are these bike rack like barriers. And then right after his life shot, he goes down and talks to them. Pretty unbelievable. D says I need a chair. D, one thing about me, and, and that's, I guess, one of the things about Facebook Lives and things like that is you're able to actually see me broadcasting, and I haven't sat in a chair for 17 years as a radio broadcaster in St. Louis. I've never sat down. So I just want to let you know, I, I, don't, I don't sit and never have, so... I, when I was at 97.1, I never sat down. I'm sorry I'm making your feet hurt, but... I, I I don't you can just listen to the stream, then your feet won't hurt at all. Then then I won't, but I'm just telling you, I, I don't uh, I've never sat down, never sat in a chair, always stood up. That's kind of what I do. That's how I do it. That's all. So anyway, here's Jim Acosta talking about all of the, the to uh, barriers. Us, to, essentially from people who might take things too far. My my sense of it Yeah. He doesn't mention at all that he goes down and talks to the people. So it's interesting, all these people, in fact, some of them are conservatives on Twitter, all these people go out there and they try to defend him, saying, oh, look what a nice guy he is. He's, he's meeting with all these people and he's going down there and shaking hands or trying to engage in some kind of discourse with them. Look at how great a guy he is. And Jim Acosta doesn't even let on that he does that. Jim Acosta, for his purposes, tries to pretend that anybody who yells at him is some kind of physical threat to him. Is that the, that these opinions that these folks have at these rallies, they're shaped by what they see in the primetime hours of Fox News and what they hear from some conservative news outlet. Once again, this guy sort of give them this. once again, this guy has no self-awareness whatsoever. He has no idea that. 
we get pissed off just fine, thank you very much, just by your mere presence in watching you. We don't need President Trump to tell us how to think. Sean Hannity doesn't make me more mad at Jim Acosta every night. Jim Acosta makes me more mad at him every night. Laura Ingram doesn't make me more mad at the news media every night. I just have to pick up a paper or see a link to the New York Times or whatever it happens to be to see the true nature of the enemy media. So once again, this guy, even when they are defending themselves and trying to make something out of nothing, these guys still can't tell the truth. They still can't manage to give us the real story about what's going on. They still can't do that. They still can't pull the trigger on that. They still have to misidentify the source of our angst. They still have to pretend it's all Trump's fault. And they can't admit in any way, shape, or form that it actually is their fault. Yeah. Daily diet. So there's only one minute and 18 seconds into this thing. And I think I've managed to pull out about a dozen examples of what a puss and a liar Jim Acosta is. Of what they consider to be terrible things that we do over here uh, at CNN. It's mm. very unfortunate, but it's, it's, it's a pitting of American against American. Yeah. And honestly, it needs right, to Right, yeah. Yelling at the president in the Oval Office when you know he's not going to answer and he's talking to the Italian prime minister. That's, that's not pitting Americans against Americans, is it not, Jim? Lying about President Trump and colluding with Russia, lying about the nature of his stance on illegal immigration, pretending that the Statue of Liberty, I don't know where you were raised, dude, but pretending that the Statue of Liberty is actually our Constitution, that's not pitting American against American, is it now? Yeah, it is. That's all these guys do is pit American against American. Everybody who watches CNN, CNN is telling them that you're deplorable every day, every day. Uh, Last night you tweeted, uh, I'm very worried that the hostility whipped up by by Trump and some of the conservative media will result in somebody getting hurt. Try going down to Mexico and reporting on the drug cartels, Jim. Then maybe we can uh, talk about whether or not you have any real balls or not. But. Let me tell you something. When you, when you are claiming that somehow your life is in danger and you're a coddled White House correspondent like Jim Acosta, whose who's hair never moves, and you're worried about your safety and, and this and that, man, ask real journalists who are actually really trying to dig for the truth how imperiled they are all around the world. For Jim Acosta to compare himself to these guys, man. Not treat our fellow Americans this way. The press is not the enemy. Um, You know, Trump's been bashing the media for a while now. What makes you think it's at this sort of uh, pivot point now, this really dangerous pivot point? I mean, come on. Dangerous pivot point? Listen, as I said yesterday to Mark Cation and and to to, to you, uh, I think that People who vote for Trump and support Trump are more in danger physically than the the news media is. 
By the way, has the news media ever been shot up by some left-wing trash because of their political views? Well, you want to go back to the Republican baseball game? That's third world America right there where some tool pops out of nowhere and starts shooting up a crowd of people because of their political beliefs. That, that's truly something to be afraid of. Standing in line at a Trump rally to get into a Trump rally or leaving a Trump rally, I have to tell you, for those people, fear is real. You walk out of a Trump rally and you don't know what's going to happen to you with the people standing outside protesting. And there have been plenty of people who've had to run for their lives. They've been chased. Have you seen the video? San Jose is a great example of that. Somebody with a Trump shirt on, a Make America Great Again shirt on, running away from people. When I was in D.C., when I took Aiden to the inauguration, and I have to tell you, I was going to go to an event that Jimmy Hoft held that was kind of a you know inaugural ball by itself, and I declined to take my son there, who was then 12 years old, out of fear. I was afraid for his safety. I was afraid for Aiden's safety in Washington, D.C., the night of the inauguration of the President of the United States. I was afraid for his safety. There were places in D.C. that we didn't go. Namely, the places that you wound up seeing on fire. Cars on fire, windows broken. How afraid do you think people were then when they were in the midst of all that? So bite me, Jim Acosta. Well, I, you know, I think it's been dangerous for some time. I was worried during the campaign mm. that a journalist was going to get hurt. Yeah. And it, yeah. It oh, yeah. Yeah. Essie Cup, the never Trumper. Yeah. Right. But she never brings up the fact that there were a lot of people worried during the campaign about their physical safety. And they weren't reporters. They were voters. They were innocent Americans who were just simply exercising their ballot box right. And they were afraid. That's like when these people in third world countries are voting and they get hacked to death or whatever it happens to you. They're scared to go and vote. Or in Mexico, where I think now 17 candidates have been assassinated who are running for office. That's real fear right there. And there are people, thankfully, who haven't been actually killed, although we almost came close when Scalise, a Republican Trump supporter, almost died because he was shot by a left-wing Democrat. That's real fear out there, people. And building, uh, but when you refer to the members of the press as the enemy of the people, you're essentially putting targets on our backs. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, sure. We wouldn't waste a bullet on you. You kidding me? Bullets are expensive. 
We, 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 we have to just simply watch you on TV, debilitate our country, debilitate our president. Don't flatter yourself. We don't want to shoot you. We just want you to tell the real story. We want, to, we want you to tell an unbiased story. We want you to stop representing Hillary Clinton and the butthurt loser left-wing people out there who didn't like losing an election. That's what we want. That's all. We are live from the Discovery Design Studios, discoverydesigninc.com. And Rick and Jerry Pogue and the rest of the gang, thank you guys so much for your support of this show. And for all of your needs, you business people out there, if you know somebody who's a hauler, who's a builder, who's a concreter, who's a roofer, whatever it happens to be, Discovery Design nationwide is going to build a truck just to your little liking and take advantage of it. The number's right down there, discoverydesigninc.com, right there in beautiful St. Peter's. Just created a brand-new place out there where they've got all the latest equipment, and they're up-to-date, and they're doing massive painting projects. They'll wrap a truck for you. They'll do whatever you need. It's discoverydesigninc.com. Really appreciate their support of the show and their sponsorship of this beautiful studio here at Gaslight on the Hill. Without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, our national anthem. Sorry, whatever happened there, whatever happened there, my, my national anthem didn't, uh, didn't cue. My, my button didn't push. So let me try this thing again, okay? All right. I'm going to try it again. Here we go. Uh, do overtime. And ladies and gentlemen, we'll get to our beautiful national anthem in three, two. Come on, people. Can't get my anthem to start here. Hang on. Anthem. There we go. Performed tonight by platinum-selling recording artist Demi Lovato. Bye. 
Good morning this morning, live, as I say, from the Discovery Design Studio, discoverydesigninc.com. Maybe I'll see you a little later on, around 6 o'clock or so, at Santino Cigars and Cocktails, that is right there off the Fogel Road. Beautiful Arnold. Going to be hanging out there. I'm trying to get my buddy Eric Caputi out there, Dr. Caputi, caputiwellness.com, both Eric Caputi and... Mike and Shannon Marino there at Santino Cigars and Cocktails, supporters of Radio Free Alma. Yesterday, really appreciate also a newest edition, Matthew Mitchell, the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency, 855-Quote is where you can find him. He's my auto home and life specialist, and so just uh, insured the brand new Dave Sinclair Jeep, the Rubicon. Thanks a ton also to Chris Kahneman who came in yesterday. Mattress King, one Mattress King on Facebook. Hope you guys are showing him some love. I actually slept on a brand new memory from Paul came last night. Awesome. That thing is, there's something to that. I don't know what it is, but it's really an awesome pillow and perfect for me because uh, for you guys who are the side sleepers, the pillow is uh, pretty darn amazing. So it's a good sleep. Thanks to Chris Kahneman and Mattress King. By appointment only, but from 10 to 2 on Saturdays, you can pop in. It's there in St. Peter's. So give them a call. Get an appointment. Get the best mattress you're going to find anywhere for the best price. The Symbol Mattress since 1961. Interesting to be in a situation where the media is talking about how worried they are, how concerned they are, that ultimately somebody is going to attack them and shut them down and quiet their voices. So it was really fun to see on MSNBC how they decided they were going to deal with Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her comments about Jim Acosta. So keep in mind, this is a news media that is concerned about whether or not President Trump and Americans are trying to silence their voices by criticizing them, okay? Just keep that in your mind as you listen to this chick, Nicole Wallace, who is, again, used to be, I think, a campaign advisor in Republican circles or whatever. She's another one of these obnoxious never-Trumpers. But, okay, keep in mind, again, they're concerned about the variety of voices being silenced, okay, because of criticism, okay, okay, okay. Guess what? Guess who retweeted that? The President of the United States. Classy guys. Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked about this in today's briefing. Her first answer was a recounting of the responsibilities of the press. So they tried again. Look, Does while we support that or not? While we certainly support freedom of the press, we also support freedom of speech, uh, and we think that those things go hand in hand. <laughs> Joining us now, New York Times Chief White. You know, we're not going to air that anymore. Let's make that the last Sarah Huckabee Sanders clip ever, ever? aired at 4 o'clock. Yeah. 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 Let's never hear from her again, says Nicole Wallace, as she talks about the threat to freedom of speech and to reporters and the fear that they're going to somehow be silenced. That's how really stupid these people in the media are. 
how hypocritical they are. You know, we're really concerned about how decrying the enemy media and talking about the enemy media is going to silence the voices of journalists everywhere. By the way, let's stop airing the clip of Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Let's not hear from her ever. I'm like, okay, trying to trying to keep up here, people, trying yeah, to keep up. But alas, you cannot. All right, so what do you all think of the Pope who has decided to completely change the teachings of the Catholic Church? I mentioned this at the top of the hour, and we'll talk more about this. I'll get your Facebook comments as well. Don't forget, yeah, Wallace worked on McCain's campaign. Thank you, Margaret. And then also uh, she – then when Palin came along, she threw her under the bus. Thanks for the illumination there. Appreciate you very much. So what do you think about the Pope just changing the entire teachings of the Catholic Church when it comes to the death penalty? Yesterday, he came out with a brand new catechism, a the, which is represents the teachings of the Catholic Church, and it was uh, catechism 27-something or other, 2700-something or other. And he said, basically, hey, before we thought that the death penalty was a situation where, hey, uh, if, if, if you couldn't figure out any other way to defend the public, then the death penalty is okay. So at, at some point, the Catholic Church teaching, at some point, the Catholic Church teaching said that the death penalty in some circumstances was okay. That was actually the teaching of the Catholic Church. And now, at this point, the Pope has said this. This is now the official new teaching of the Catholic Church that the death penalty is inadmissible. That it is a violation of human dignity and that it is not acceptable under any circumstances, and that the Catholic Church at this point was going to teach in some way, shape, or form, not teach, but push for the abolishment of the death penalty. Now, I happen to be a person who has never really trusted the death penalty. I've always felt like I never really wanted the state. And Father Tom, I hope you can chime in on this and what you think about this this decision on the part of the Pope because it is a, it is a rather drastic change. Uh, my concern, Father Tom says, my concern is that the Pope will move next to self-defense as unacceptable. Interesting. That's, a, that's an interesting point you bring up. I'll get to that in one second, Father Tom. I've always been a person who's really been mistrustful of the death penalty because of its power granted to the state to kill one of its citizens. I've always been concerned about that because I think that's too much power on the part of the state, and I am a little bit concerned about mistakes that could be made. There are plenty of people who've been wrongly convicted, everything else. And so I've always been a little concerned about it, a little iffy about that. And I felt like because of my pro-life status, so to speak, that 
that it was consistent with that. So the Pope's decision on this matter, I don't think is crazy. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a drastic change. And I think it's consistent with a, with a pro-life view that the death penalty is inadmissible. And I think when it comes to the state doing it, now father Tom has chimed in that he's afraid that the Pope essentially is going to say then, then you as a citizen, when you are confronted, cannot mete out the death penalty either. What I mean is if let's say Scalise had a gun and this jackass liberal with a gun from Belleville, thank you for representing, buddy, comes out there and shoots up a ballpark that Scalise wouldn't be able to be defend himself, wouldn't be able to defend himself. I don't know whether that's really necessarily the case. I I do I don't I, the pope hasn't chimed in on this matter but basically if that's a situation involving me I don't really care what the pope says about that if he wants to chime in about the church teachings when it comes to state administered death penalties I'm all I mean knock yourself out but don't tell me what to do when some guy busts into my house or with a gun or confronts me with a gun I won't be listening to the pope under any circumstances at that point because he would he would he's not going to dictate me you know and 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 the defense of my life or defense of my family but as father tom points out the pope is anti-gun though so you know at that point there are i I think there are some people out there who might legitimately say okay so let me get this straight uh you don't want the state to administer the death penalty but in defense of itself or its citizens. But you also don't want John Jones defending himself with a gun. And it's kind of at that point, you're like, okay, so what do you want us to do? Just wander around defenseless on all fronts? We don't have a wall around our city like you do. They're in Vatican City. So give us a little bit of a helping hand here, Brother Pope. Brother Francis, help us out just a little bit here, brother. Give a, give a man a, a break here. But I, I do have to tell you, it's not surprising that this came out. I don't think it makes him any more liberal than he already is necessarily. I think the death penalty, there are plenty of people who are uh, from the – conservative end who have issues with the death penalty and how uh, that is administered and whether or not it's something that we want to give to well, whether we want to allow states to, to be able to do. But uh, chime on in. I'll, I'll grab your comments on Facebook. But Father Tom, thanks for your input on this. And thanks for pointing out that, uh, yeah, it is kind of it is kind of concerning that the the Pope is against us in some cases. I, I don't know whether I've He's actually said this directly, but against us defending ourselves. But based on his comments about guns, there is a certain level of uh, of concern that he wants to leave us 
totally defenseless. I'm not quite sure that would be his motivation, but nonetheless, it's an interesting development there in the Catholic Church. Yes, indeed, people. Come back. Jim Carafano is going to be with us. We are live from the Discovery Design Studio, discoverydesigninc.com. Really appreciate all of you joining me. And Jim Carafano, we're going to talk about this really pretty amazing ceremony yesterday, the welcoming home of what we think are the remains of servicemen killed in the Korean War, the Forgotten War. Jimmy Carafano chiming in on that. Also, is there a situation where where North Korea is actually building up its nuclear arsenals? Is that that that's the claim? We'll talk more about that as well. Gia, good morning to you. She points out that the Pope is protected by guns. Actually, when I was over there in Vatican City, uh, well, you're damn right he's protected by guns and, 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 and should be. And I will tell you, though, that I did see the Swiss Guard there. And those guys... In, in their pantaloons and their and 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 their swords, you know, and and there's there's sometimes it 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 seems like you know there is a uh, a lack of protection when you see these guys in their the Swiss Guard. I asked the. People there at the Vatican, like, where'd this whole thing come from with the Swiss Guard and everything? Well, apparently, at one point in the in the whole papal warring and all that kind of stuff, because I'm telling you, people were pretty savage over there in the old uh, in the old world. Apparently, the Swiss at one time came and rescued the Pope from something, and so since then, you have the Swiss Guard. But these guys standing outside the gate there with their pantaloons on and their little sword saw them. And people like, wow, do you think they have, is that all they have is a sword? And a lot of people were pointing out, like, it's like, no. You got to imagine they probably have an Uzi underneath there in their pantaloons. (laughs) I would. Let me uh, call Jimmy Carafano here, ladies and gentlemen. Get him on the line. Hold on. Yeah. He told me he's going to be on with me, so get him on here. You guys liking this Elvis Costello, are you? I love Elvis Costello. Good. Good. Pull us off Facebook. Six Jim Carafano. Jimmy Carafano. What's going on, brother? Well, I was listening to the Decemberists. You were what? Listening to the Decemberists. Oh, really? Uh, so it's a it's a book on tape. No, they're they're a band. Oh, <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. 
Never heard like of him before. The program, I well, I mean, yeah, usually really, I'm I'm pretty savvy when it comes to music, but you threw me for a loop. I should know them, yeah. right? Yeah, you know they say that the, the, on average, uh, people start stop buying music when they're 28 years old. Oh, really? So I am so not average. Oh, I'm not me well, either. I love this. How about Arctic Monkeys? Oh, I love the you Arctic could, Monkeys. Yeah, you see their new album. That's pretty cool. Why you always call me when when you're high? That one. <laughs> They just they just did this show in DC, but it was totally, like totally sold out. The Arctic Monkeys. First of all, that's Arctic a it's Monkey. a great name for a band. The Arctic Monkeys, and I, I think they're they're a great band. So they have a new CD out, huh? Or a new whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, right. Yeah, they did first in um, five years, I think. Why don't I know? Why don't I know who the Decemberists are? That's shameful of me. Uh, it's okay. It's it's the Decembriats, huh? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um hold on, hold on. Yeah, I want to I want to do see I want to see something here. Right? Yeah. So I um you know the cool thing about this uh Amazon Echo thing is you know you can buy their music thing and they have virtually every musician ever. And so you're just like hear something on the radio and you go, "Oh, I'd like to hear, you know, just go on you just go on Alexa there and say play this and just, you know, it's pretty cool." So the the Decemberists have a song called it's called the Ben Franklin song. Well, there you go. It's 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 hey, actually speaking explicit. Of founding, yeah, speaking oh, yeah. of founding fathers, we actually did see Hamilton, and it, it's I thought it was great, and and I don't understand why like the liberals are so enamored with and progressives are so enamored with Hamilton because the it's just his biography. I mean, it's really kind of the thing, the things you know, the traditional. You know, conservatives and and originalists embrace. So, um, like, yeah, I, I, I get it. You know, but it's good. Music's great. I, you know, I think the music is great. And I saw it here in St. Louis, and I thought it was a great show. There's a little bit of me to a certain degree. I have my own issues philosophically with Alexander Hamilton and and certain some of his views right. and things like that i think sure. he's he's the father of liberalism to a certain degree uh to some some degree uh, the 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 father of uh expansionist government, government. let's put it that way right. but at the same time i thought that the the show itself was fairly reverential was certainly patriotic yeah. and i really i really enjoyed it yeah i thought so and 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 I actually I got the point that uh, that virtually all the characters um, in the in the uh, you know play were you know minorities and they're, they're, like in the show I saw like they're African Americans and there were um, uh, um, Hispanics and there were uh, Asian and I thought I got that I was like. The founding fathers belong to all of us. I mean, they're they're not just the founding fathers of of you know people from England and and Scotland. Um, I got that, and so I I didn't have a. I thought that was I thought that was a a, a point about the the strength of America and our diversity. So I I, I kind of I like the I liked it, I, and I didn't want to go see it, and but yeah. I really enjoyed it. I, I you know you I go. had this I had the same feeling that you did, and then wound up leaving saying, "Wow, that was." pretty darn good that was pretty amazing and you know it's interesting too that and correct me if i'm wrong because i mean you hear one story over another and and i i've i 
kind of did a little reading on the actual duel that wound up uh, leading right. to the demise of Alexander Hamilton. And I didn't know that Hamilton's main flaw regarding the dueling was that he didn't duel properly. Like, because generally what happens is when you're in a duel like of that nature, you are firing a shot into the ground. And right. apparently Alexander Hamilton fired a shot into the air and Burr thought that that was a shot at him. And so he plugged him. I don't know. I, I don't know either. I wasn't there. Well, I just I, I and, heard and, I, and I'm insulted by the, the implication that you thought I might have been. <laughs> well, I just was I just I just think I think I think that's fairly accurate that he just didn't uh, fire the gun the right way and wound up getting yeah. it. Now, speaking of Alexander Hamilton, the play. And it's in- interesting because uh, the last time it became controversial was when uh, Vice President right. Pence was actually in the play. Yesterday was a pretty amazing day when it comes to the presumed U.S.-Korean war remains coming to back to American soil. And Vice President Pence's speech was just gripping. And this was a pretty major deal. And I know you've talked about the Korean war quite a bit and obviously the forgotten war. And I had to admit this morning, Jimmy, that I had no idea – that 33,000 Americans died in North Korea. Yeah, you know, I I have a little different take on that story. Okay. I, I, I'm actually a little angry. So it's widely believed that the North Koreans have hundreds of remains. And, and let's be honest, we don't know if all these remains are actually American soldiers. Yeah. We're not even sure they're all human. As a matter of fact, the last time they did this, some, some of the bones weren't even human. But they they've got hundreds apparently hundreds of boxes of this. And so they, they're basically sitting on these things as bargaining chips. And that just really makes me angry. I mean, there are people who have spent their whole lives in sadness and, you know, and, and been incomplete because they don't have closure on this. And, and think about it. I mean, the, if there's a wife, you know, she's in her eighties, Yeah, you know, children, you know, they're in their sixties and that don't have closure. And, because they want to use those bones as a bargaining chip. It just kind of makes me angry at the North Koreans. Well, even even that, I mean, even when Pre- Vice President Prince was talking, you know, his father has been dead for 30 years. And if you can just imagine what that would be like, you know, for somebody right. who has since even passed away, never being able to see or or have the remains of their loved one. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh, and and I don't know what it, and the, of course the other thing is we don't know what this actually tells us and where we're going because this is important you know bringing the Americans home is absolutely it's important it's important to the families support of the country it's important to the commitment that we make to our men and women in service um, not sure what it tells us about the process of negotiating with North Korea uh, to protect this generation and future generations, we really need to focus on denuclearization, which is essentially getting their nuclear capability um, out of the country. That starts with something called a declaration, which which has to be verifiable. In other words, that's a list of here's everything I have, the plants, the research facilities, the missiles, the weapons, because you can't begin to negotiate unless you know exactly what they have and you can verify that. So unless they commit to that step, we they're not serious. Right, and so that's the real shoe that we're waiting to drop. If they're not going to make that commitment, 
then this is then they're doing what they've always done, which is giving a little, asking for something back, you know, pushing, threatening, that kind of the same rope it up they've always done, and I suspect that we'll get a resolution of that in the relative near term. So people look at um, look either we just throw up our hands and say look they're not really serious and we walk away and go back to the the pressure campaign or the administration drags without hoping, you know, waiting for signs that they're serious. Or the other scenario that people look at is the North Koreans would really like to come back and have another summit with Trump. They think they could probably get a better deal from talking directly to the president than they can by going through all the technical negotiators that I don't actually believe. Um, but I think all that's going to unfold relatively rapidly in the near term. And, and we've talked about this before. Remember that North Korea and Iran are, those are linked. The administration can't give a sweetheart deal in North Korea and then put pressure on Iran. And conversely, if they drive a hard deal with North Korea, the Iranians know that they're really under the gun. So what the U.S. does in one part of the world directly affects what they do in the other. Right now, they're putting an enormous amount of pressure on Iran. The worst thing they could do would be to let the North Koreans play them um, as we are literally running around the world trying to line up the world to you know, crack down on, on Iran. Yeah. Now there was some belief and I, I, I hear so many different stories about this where they somehow discovered that North Korea was actually, you know, building up its armaments, whatever. I mean, do we have any proof one way or the other about really what's going on with that? Well, I, I do get a little like frustrated that everybody now is an imagery analyst and an intelligence expert, you know, and they just look at these photos and they say, Oh, this is, you know, look, and, and, who knows? I don't know what they're doing. You know, I, I've always, when I've commented on these issues, looked at these issues, I've always said, look, I don't understand. I don't know what the actual intelligence is. Right. So we can only work on what we publicly know. And the point is, is again, the rep- bringing back the remains is important. Um, whatever's going, that's important, but, but those are all peripheral, Right. This is this is a really clear issue, which is, are they willing to make a declaration of their assets, which is the first step in a process, or not? If they're not, we're done here. You know, it's like, if your kid, if your 24-year-old um, isn't going to get off the couch and, and come out of the basement, right, then, you know, we're, we're not talking, he's never going to get a job, right? So that's the first step, and that's, you know, that's the eyes on the prize. That's what we have to focus on. If they're going to deliver on that, we the diplomatic process stays alive. If they're not, it's dead. Wow. I Yeah. I mean, that's that simple. Yeah, right. Exactly. Now, what about the situation? You know, you mentioned Iran. So what's their situation? Because, you know, we had this Iran nuke deal. We did all this kind of stuff. And the president... Be, you and I, while I was in Italy and and I was not on the air, the president with his all caps tweet regarding Iran. Uh, right, right. What what's happening with that? Because because Iran has it seems quieted down a bit. But what's going on with the nuke deal and what they're doing and and the president feeling the need to actually call them out in terms of their basic comportment. Uh, in the on the world stage, which was which is one of a threatening kind of uh, cabal over there in Iran. What what's going on with that? Right. So so the administration withdrew from the Iran deal with, that Obama signed. Yeah, 
initials were JCPOA. Um, basically, the argument was that the deal wasn't working, and and they were getting a lot of benefits, and and we weren't getting the real assurances we need to deal with their nuclear threat or with their destabilizing activities in the region. And then the, the administration started a process of reimposing sanctions, which, to be honest, they had been incredibly successful and. and I don't care what you read in the papers, Europeans are walking with their feet. The Russians and the Chinese can't do enough business to actually help the Iranians. So that that pressure campaign uh, of is is very effective. And the the best evidence of that is to just look at what's going on with their economy. Their 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 um their uh, uh money is in absolute freefall. Um it, it's um it's it's almost getting Venezuela bad in terms of inflation, the value of their money, significant internal protests. Um, we know they're overstretched uh, militarily. They're in Yemen, Syria, Lebanon, Iraq. Um, sustaining all those things, paying for all those things, is, is getting very expensive for them. It's very unpopular at home. So they've got they've got external pressure. They've got internal pressure. So right now, what they're doing is they're 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 doing a lot of yelling. You know, blaming America for everything. Um, I, I think this week there's a big boat drill where they demonstrate that they have the capacity to close the Straits of Hormuz, which is the waterway between Iran and the Middle East that a lot of the oil traffics out of the region. So if you actually close the Straits, it would dramatically impact global oil supplies. But, you know, they've tried to do that before under Reagan, and we we stopped that. Really unlikely they would be successful at doing that again. Um, So that's kind of where we are. We're in a, I think, what I would call a bit of a Mexican standoff. If If I were a guessing guy, my guess is the Iranians will just kind of knuckle down and try to wait Trump out. You know, hope that you know Hillary Clinton 2.0 gets elected and they can go back and you know get the kind of deals they got under Obama. Um, I, they, I think trying to close the straits would be incredibly risky for them, uh, and it could be a real disaster. Unlikely they'll do that. Um, they're. Uh, they're under a lot of pressure in Syria. The Israelis are bombing the heck out of them. Uh, I, I, I think they'll just become more conservative and, and not like, you know, conservative like that Buchanan conservative, but they'll, they'll keep the nuclear program on hiatus. They won't, they'll, they may do a lot of yelling, but they're not going to do anything really, um, dangerous, like trying to close the straits. And they'll probably, you know, bail out of some of the places that they're in, but just because they can't afford it anymore. And then just, try to wait Trump out. That would be my best guess. Yeah. Interesting. I, I, I always wonder though, you know, how, you know, with, with Iran, I mean, I, it's been, it's, it was a kind of a, to me, it was refreshing to see an American president. Kind of, I, I realized President GW did it uh, at one point, you know, with the axis of evil thing and all that stuff, but it was nice to the president at some point to kind of just tell them to, to calm the heck down a little bit. I, I, I appreciated yep. that. I don't know about you, but you know, yeah, I, I, I think it's the right strategy. Um, you know, there's no quick and easy solution. Uh, and Trump's an interesting guy to study. I mean, on the one hand, he's very impatient. I mean, if there's things to be done, he wants to get started and do them, right? He's very frustrated. I mean, which we would all be like, you know, why, why does it take so long to just do something? Let's just do something. Right. Um, so in that sense, I think he's he's very um, aggressive to get started and very frustrated with the slow pace that government reacts. On, on the other hand, I, I think he's he's a realist. So he recognizes, you know, there's 
there's no easy answer for these things. You know, like when you start a building, you know, it takes years to, for the building to go up. You know, when you start dealing with Iran, you don't expect the problem to be solved in 15 minutes. I think same with North Korea. I mean, you saw the tweets like, okay, they're no longer a nuclear problem. Like, no, that's solved. I'll move on to something else. Yeah, it's just a tweet. I mean, I think the president's realistic that, that you know, dealing with North Korea is going to take, even if they're willing to cooperate, it's going to take many, many, many months. So, um, but it's interesting watching him just kind of hit on all cylinders here. Yeah, no doubt. I, I was wondering, too, uh, when it comes to uh, something along the lines of baseball, Jimmy, and, and this is a question I have for you. Are you a Nationals fan? Um, I, well, I'm a Nationals mourner. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah, to a certain degree it does. Yeah, because I was wondering, did you did you see what happened when the that pitcher had some kind of meltdown during that 25 to nothing or whatever? Yeah, that, that was ridiculous. Oh my god. Yeah, that well, was, uh... so he's out there. He's he's the he's it's in the ninth inning. It's a 25 to 1 or 2 like ball game three, against, yeah, was, yeah. against the Mets. He gives up like a right. two-run homer and then has a temper tantrum out on the field there and then they right. wind up yeah. they wind up getting rid of the guy. What's going on there? <laughs> I don't know. I'm ready to move on to the well, it's uh I'm ready to move on to the next season, but that's football and football's dead to me, so you know, it's when when do the Hoyas start, you know, shooting basketball hoops again? I Yeah. That, I know. That's uh, I'm holding out for that. <laughs> so I got a couple of months yet. Yeah, right. Who's your ba- who's the basketball team there in Washington, DC? So it's uh the Wizards. Oh, the but Wizards. I, I yeah, I don't really. I mean, you know, I went to Georgetown. I did my graduate work there. We, we, love, we love going to the Georgetown game. So we, you know, we follow the Hoyas. But that's that's pretty much pretty much it because yeah, you know, we're always running around things. Yeah. So um, hey, so I'm here. I think I'm here next week. I think the week after that, I am in Prague. Oh, and then I'm back, and then I and then I go back to Croatia. So wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, and then, then I is, got a trip to Hungary and and Israel, and, wow. and then I think that's I think that's that may be right now. I think that may be be it for a while. Well, so but, but you'll uh, still be able to kind of uh, we'll still be able to talk to you. You think or not? Um. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Because Europe's not so bad. It's uh. You know, it's like six or seven hours. So it's it's yeah. You know. You know. Probably like when you're in India and stuff, and you're like twenty, you know, like you're twelve hours out. So yeah, it's right, noon here; right. it's like midnight there. <laughs> right, just eight o'clock in the morning. You know, it's just nuts. But and uh, the phone service is good. But I was actually um, surprised that I didn't have great phone service when uh, when I was over there last time. But you know, Southern Europe's a little behind the rest of of Europe in terms of infrastructure and and development. So it's not quite as robust as, as some of the other stuff. Uh, I have to tell you, it's was- super interesting. Yeah, you know, I, I, we, I think we talked about this before. I'm amazed at the number of people there in Europe because you read the headlines and everything, and you think, "Oh my God, they they all hate us and think we're idiots." The number of Europeans that love Americans and that actually admire Trump—it's pretty, um, it's, it's very refreshing. Yeah, I felt the same way just in Italy, for that matter, right. uh, and, and so I didn't I didn't get a chance to gauge 
too many other people. I, I know that I, I did fly in from Detroit to Paris, but didn't have a whole lot of time to talk to anybody really or engage in any conversations with people. But yeah, I do sense that uh, among the people there and Italy, of course, but I'm, I'm glad to hear you mentioning that in other reaches of the world. And I, I like, I, I, I love world travel. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm after this trip to Italy, I'm thinking, boy, I, I could do that again. Maybe, maybe we should switch places. You can do some of my travel for me. I'll just, I'll just well, yeah. what's Croatia? Here, like? it, uh, it's awesome. Well, first of all, it's an awesome country. It's totally beautiful. It's on the Dalmatian coast. Um, the, the, uh, the, uh, Seaside city, I mean, it's just, and the whole country. The people are wonderful. Food's great. It's an awesome place to go visit. It so really you can go to the amazing. beach and stuff there in Croatia. Oh yeah, they're beautiful beaches. Really? And, and uh, yeah, just beautiful. Uh, um, uh, Split and Dubrovnik are like the two big kind of vacation cities, and they're just they're just amazing, awesome. Like compared to like the Greek islands or something, it's just matter of fact. You know the Mamma Mia the movie? Yeah, right. Mamma Mia, right. So, which is like in the Greek, that was all filmed in Croatia. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> they're Croatian. <laughs> they, couldn't, they, but, they couldn't pick Greece, huh? Yeah, yeah. well, it's, it was, I guess it was cheaper in Croatia and stuff. Yeah, it's like but, kind of. You know, this guy, you know, what you learn, though, is, is this guy is a disruptor in chief. He literally has the whole world talking. And I, I'm sorry. I, I just think that what he is doing is putting everything back back on the right course. I mean, he does it in his own crazy Donald Trump way, but at the end of the day, you know, um, you know, he's like the crazy uncle. And then you go into the Christmas tree and there's this amazing, like thoughtful thing from the crazy uncle. Right. And it's, you, you, you got to focus on what, you know, what's coming out the other end. You got to focus on the outputs, you know, the outcomes, not the, the, the process that you get there. Yeah. And I, I think this man's not ma- just making America. I think he's making the world a better place. I really, really do. Yeah, very, I, very hopeful. I, I, that, I totally that, agree. Uh, I, I feel very yep, comfortable so. with him, with him, and what he's doing. In spite of the fact that the media, I just got through this morning, it was really too bad to listen to people like Jim Acosta, who never really lifted a finger in defense of a Trump supporter who had an egg smashed in their face, or uh, a Trump supporter who was shot playing baseball in D.C., or a Trump supporter who was beaten in San Jose leaving a Trump rally. Never really saw him do concern about that, but boy, did he just simply hop to. When it came time to have uh, one American daring to say CNN sucks to him, now suddenly uh, he's akin to these journalists being threatened around the world. I mean, right. it's just unbelievable. Yeah, I, yeah, I have little use for him. I mean, first of all, he 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 transcends acting like a journalist and to actually acting like kind of a, a partisan uh, advocate, right? Like a a, a, a plain spoken critic of the administration, the president, and makes no bones about that. So he, he essentially gives up his journalistic credentials, right, or personality or persona to to do this role. And then when people yell at him, he goes, oh, but I'm a journalist. Why yeah. are you yelling at me? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's just... It's just beyond the pale. Right? We need it's, to treat our fellow Americans with more dignity. It's like you mean the dignity yeah, you show when you're screaming yeah. at the president while sitting there with the prime minister of Italy. Yeah, I and that's why you know we, you know we talk about foreign. Actually, I don't like foreign travel. 
<laughs> you may think it's a lot of fun. I don't. Well, one but time maybe. <laughs> it is important to get out of Washington because to get out of this the bubble and actually talk to people in the world who are standing in a rice paddy or you know plowing in their field or or you know drinking a cup of coffee and uh, and and talk to real human beings about how they really see things in the world and then come back and talk to them not just to this but like to people like you and in the part of America where you know you guys you have a life right you you got things to do you got to get the oil changed in the car and you know pick up the groceries um and and try to have a real communication as opposed to just listening to these wackos in this bubble in you know it's just over Hollywood and Washington DC and New York where they just all yell and scream at each other and realize that there's a whole world out there that has a life and 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 most of us actually like the kinds of things that we are we you know we want we want people to trade. We want economies to be free. We want government out of our life. We we want terrorists to, you know, be afraid of us, not us afraid of them. We want countries to respect us and our flag. We want to be partners with our friends and allies, and we want to make the world a better place. I mean, you know, freedom, prosperity, and security are things that are that are kind of noble. And you know what? Some people like to pray to God and and, and talk about God in their conversation and not look at like they're. You know, they just said some kind of racist remark or something. Yeah. People, I would bet, you know, if the world raised its hand and vote, I think more people would vote with that than the Yahoos. And, but, but, but all we do is sit around and watch people like Jim Acosta talk, lecture at us about how the world works. Yeah. And, well, and he's just so out of touch with everything else. No doubt. And also on a more micro scale, you talked about world traveling and getting out of the bubble. I think President Trump, let's just put it this way, President Trump going to Altoona. Instead of Philadelphia, that's uh, that's a guy yeah. who really is concerned about touching base with real people as opposed to, uh, you know, staying inside the way uh, Hillary Clinton did. And that's why she lost the election. Yeah, I do wish he could get out and talk to the troops. I mean, I, he has, but he hasn't been to Afghanistan. Yeah, that's where I think, our, you know, uh, that would be good. I know. And I know there's security things and everything else and stuff, but. But that would be good to see. Yeah, like of course, if he did that, then they, then they'd say he just did it for a photo op, right? Yeah, of course. And if he didn't do it, they'd say, "Oh, he doesn't really love the troops." But of course, <laughs> if there's anything he he does, he, and I don't know if you followed the news. So, um, new head of the Veterans Administration, Robert Wilkie, great friend, true patriot. Dad was in the military with me. Just a great guy. That's going to be a great leader of Veterans Affairs, and and we'll just drive himself to death trying to take care of uh, um good to know uh, our veterans so that's a that's a good news and that was in there and then i actually get i have some sad news because yes uh two days ago my uh, my west point classmate mike sheehan died mike was a former special forces he was uh an assistant secretary in the state department he was the the head of the counterterrorism uh force in the New York City Police Department. For oh, wow. And, and we came back in a DOD. Yeah, just an incredible, accomplished guy. Unbelievably brilliant career. Brilliant, brilliant thinker. Father. Just an amazing guy. Long, long battle with cancer. Oh. And, and finally gave up a couple of days ago. But just a brilliant life. Yeah. Um, yeah. Young Folks man. can just... Young man. I think so, yeah, sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, folks can just Google Michael Sheehan. There's there's a couple of obits. There's Washington okay. Post has got one out and several others. But just a great, just a great, great guy. One of the, you know, maybe like the the real hero of our class. So. Right, right. So well, that was sad, but. Well, I'm sorry about your buddy, man. I, I, and and people, I think people forget, too, Jimmy, 
because you're on the show on a regular basis and have been for years now with uh, the Almond Radio brand. And I think people kind of forget because they're like, what do you mean you're West Point uh, classmates? Like people kind of forget that uh, Jimmy is a uh, 25-year U.S. Army veteran. Are you colonel or captain? I, I, yeah, I was a lieutenant colonel. When lieutenant I was colonel. Retired. And yeah, I, yeah, it, it does seem like a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, where, where we because we, we were introduced to you one time. I I had you on the air just for a, a hit from Heritage, and from that day on, I said I got to have this guy on every week, and we have. But people, I think, forget that uh, you also have uh, you also have a large degree of uh, service to this country in the U.S. Army and the Armed Forces, and go way back in that degree. So. I uh, wanted to make sure we took this opportunity to remind people about that. And also thank you for reminding us about uh, the service of your classmates like Mr. Sheehan. So fantastic. Yeah. Thanks for being on the air, man. It's been great years and I have gives me great faith and hope that you're still out there talking and, and, and making the case. And then, uh, you know, that's a great way to serve. Yeah. So I appreciate you doing it and keep it up, man. Thank you, buddy. Don't let it go. Your support has been so much appreciated and humbling, and and I'm so glad that you're on the air with me, buddy. And and, uh, thank you so much. And Godspeed to you. Safe travels. And hopefully we'll still be able to connect with you next week. All right. Sounds good. All right. Hey, by the way, before you leave, I'm going to give you a little outro of the Decemberists, okay? Just for you. Jim Carafano. At JJ Carafano on Twitter. See you, buddy. All right. <laughs> <Bye>. <laughs> Love you, buddy. It's Jim Carafano. Normally, he hangs up on me, doesn't he? These are pretty good. And the idea that Jim Carafano's rocking this. Hi, Jeanette. How you doing? Connie Quinn? Actually, Jimmy was telling us that... Um, Michael Sheehan, his West Point classmate, passed away. He served uh, in the anti-terrorism unit there in New York City. and That's what he was talking about there. So thank you for uh, asking. Coming up, we're going to, and we are live from the Discovery Design Studios, discoverydesigninc.com. Thank you to all the sponsors of the show, the supporters of the show. Thank you to Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency just now joining the show. 855-QUOTE-ME for your life, home, and auto. Thank you also to Santino Cigars and Cocktails, people. I turn that lamp on or not? Hang on, people. I don't know. Am I going to get kicked? How does that lamp look when it's lit up like that? Does it backlight me and make me dark? Good morning this morning. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see what it looks like there in the thing. I'm a little back timed on the Facebook page. Look what it looks kind of like. Does it look nice? Okay, Matt's approval. Matt's approving of that. Beth, loving the close-ups. Hi, Beth. I'm ready for my close-up, everybody. People are wondering about the T-shirt. 
Morgan asked earlier. Says, uh, thank you, Vin. Thank you, Vin. And that's uh, a T-shirt that is uh, in honor of Vin Scully, one of my absolute favorite broadcasters. Vin Scully, Los Angeles Dodgers. I think he was broadcasting up through his early 90s. And Vince Scully is the bomb, man. He is the bomb. Stan says Matt does a great job. Matt, you do a great job, buddy. Lise, thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Yeah, what does this shirt say? It says, it says thank you, Vin. And uh, Vin Scully is one of the... I mean, I know Jack Buck was awesome, but boy, Vin Scully... Uh, a premier baseball announcer who uh, goes back way back in my days when I used to, you know, they had Saturday afternoon baseball. You know, after you're watching the cartoons and everything else, you go out and play for a little while. About one o'clock, it was uh, Saturday afternoon baseball on TV. And so Vin would always do the, sometimes would do the broadcast. Usually it was like Jim Cotton, somebody else, but. Vin broadcasted by himself. He did ball games by himself. He never had a partner. And he let the Amy's asking how's Ryan doing. Ryan's doing great. Ryan's kind of been the uh, kind of in the background with uh, the Radio Free Almond brand, and we've been developing our sponsors and things like that. But I told him the other day, I said, I'd love to, love to have you back in the studio just every once in a while. It was getting to be a grind with Ryan doing his uh, marketing as well as broadcasting. So, you know, the 5 a.m. wake up or 4.30 a.m. wake up and then having to do a regular job on top of that was getting to be kind of a little bit of a grind. Anyway, so he'll be back in one form or another. But, but Vin Scully used to do the ball games himself and would would – let baseball breathe because you know when you when you watch baseball on TV there's this desire on the part of the the people in the broadcast booth to just litter the airwaves with stats and you know Jack uh, uh, he got hails from blah 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 land his dad was a blah 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 and he went to school and blah blah it's like we don't need to hear all that stuff we want to just hear the balls and strikes we want to hear the fans we want to hear the atmosphere of the game when we're watching baseball games on TV I happen to love baseball I keep wanting to speed the game up and all that other garbage but I don't I don't I don't like it. Like the intentional walk, they said, well, why go through the motions of having a pitch, uh, four pitches? Why not just, if you're intentional walk, just give the guy the base. It's like, nah, don't do that. So I happen to like the length of baseball games. But anyway, Vin Scully would let the, let the game breathe. He was a great announcer, and you'd hear, you could hear the ball hit the catcher's mitt. You could hear the umpire make the call. But nowadays, everybody's got to chat, 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 chat all the time. I mean, and me being a person who chat, 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 chats all the time, you're probably thinking, why are you complaining? I'm like, I don't know. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not. If I just, you know what would happen if I just let this show breathe? Yeah, that's, that's how it would. Uh, here, um, well, well, let it breathe. Like what? You listening to me drink out of my cup? That's not, you know, atmosphere. I'm just telling you. So there's a little bit of a difference. But, yeah, loved Vin Scully, and so I, I, ha- I wear my Thank You Vin shirt. I don't know how I got a hold of this. Probably something that came over the Internet somewhere. And because I'm a sucker, I pretty much, you know, 
I'll buy that. It's like, okay, Mr. Money Waster. But nonetheless, this is not money wasted. Coming up in just a few, going to uh, have Tony Minetti on the air with us. And Tony is, uh, yeah, yeah, the Dodger announcer now can't hold a candle to Scully. Yeah, I, definitely. No one can hold a candle to Vince Scully, I'm sorry to say. Although I got to tell you, Jack Buck and Mike Shannon, you can't beat those two with a stick. I tell you, I love Mike Shannon. Love listening to him do the ball games. Always, always, always adored him. Coming up, Tony Minetti is going to be joining us. I'm going to give him a shout. He's in St. Louis, and thank you, Lisa. Of course, uh, and uh, I'm going to have um, him on the air. There, there was some degree of controversy surrounding his statements regarding right to work. Now, why a U.S. Senate candidate is talking about right to work is beyond me. They really don't have to. They don't have anything to do with the right-to-work issue. So it's kind of like unnecessary for somebody to talk about it. But, you know, if they're asked, they'll answer. Tony's that kind of guy. He'll answer it. So I'm going to have him on at 745. Plus, we'll double back on this just insufferable Jim Acosta who's claiming somehow that journalists are under attack. And, by the way, here's something that – oh, by the way, Jeff Sessions too. Oh, I didn't – see, this is the problem with my chattering is I'll start – as something and then I'll talk about something else and then I'll forget to finish what I was talking about before. Santino Cigars and Cocktails, ladies and gentlemen, just off of Vogel Road in Arnold. I'm going to pop down there about 6 o'clock tonight and have a drink with y'all if you want to. Come on by. This isn't the official Radio Free Almond Happy Hour. It's just me popping down there and saying hi and uh, showing Mike and Shannon and uh, the rest of the gang some love down there. So that's at uh, Santino Cigars and Cocktails right there off of Vocal Road in Arnold. Really easy to get to, so no worries there. Jeff Sessions, people have been asking me about him and this craziness regarding uh, his silence over the Miller affair and how President Trump wants him to go ahead and cut this thing off at the knees. I agree. I think right now it's just a fishing expedition. I think Robert Mueller has nothing, which is why it's turned somehow into what? Collusion conspiracy as opposed to real collusion. And believe me, you can – it's kind of like when you can say you can indict a ham sandwich. Uh, The bottom line is you can can prove or – come up with a conspiracy case on pretty much any level you want to as long as you have the desire. The Jeff Sessions thing is another problem. Somebody mentioned to me yesterday, and I should have asked Jim Carafano about this. Somebody asked me yesterday, said, uh, well, you know, he should have recused himself because he himself was uh, tied to the collusion investigation. I go, you know how he was tied to the collusion investigation? Jeff Sessions was at a event at the Heritage Foundation organized, okay, organized by the Obama State Department people. It was organized by the Obama State Department. Jeff Sessions was a U.S. senator. Jim Carafano was there. And Jim Carafano said, you know what the sum total of Jeff Sessions's contact with Russian officials was in a handshake line where there were Russian ambassadors and ambassadors from almost every country imaginable at this event organized by the Obama State Department. That That's the sum total of Jeff Sessions. And I think there might have been some meeting at his office where some of these bozos, which is 
been the case constantly. You go down to Jeff City, there are people wanting to get inside the offices of these state reps and state senators all the time to talk to them. That's not their fault. And there might be some legitimate reason because, after all, Russia is another country around the world. We have uh, diplomatic relations with them and, of course, trade relations with them. So, of course, you're going to have situations where there's going to be some degree of contact. A state, uh, a U.S. senator for sure because U.S. senators oversee treaties and other kinds of things that are relevant, trade treaties, all kinds of stuff. And so it's not beyond the realm of comprehension that somebody might knock on Jeff Sessions' door and say, hey, we want to talk to you. And certainly in an Obama-organized State Department event at the Heritage Foundation, a handshake and a hey, how you doing type of thing, that's not collusion. That's not contact with a foreign enemy that's organized by the Obama State Department, and that is a matter of fact. That is a matter of fact, people. And Carafano had I had him on and talked about that, he would have told you the same damn thing. So that's what people did. The State Department, whether it's Obama or anybody else, they have functions where Republican, Democrat senators, lawmakers are – attending it's just a normal thing the heritage foundations that's kind of what they do is they hold these seminars and briefings and you know things like that all the time so jeff sessions i agree with president trump jeff sessions didn't need to recuse himself and the fact that sessions is so wishy-washy again i appreciate his early support of president trump but this is what you get when you put people who have been around the block, who they might not be part of the swamp, but they're around the swamp for decades. And now they're in a position where they're dealing with people and and investigating people and doing whatever, overseeing investigations of people that they've known for years and years and years and years and years and years and years. And it's, it's a situation where the parties are too familiar that's the problem. Before we get to Tony, do you see this thing? In uh, have you ever been on those pirate ship rides that the carnivals, like the 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 that the, the ship that goes back and forth and back and forth? They're actually pretty fun, and so they're actually it's, it's, it's as big as a the ship. They're, they're gigantic, and they kind of go pretty fast, and they and they're, they're, the gravitational pull of the thing, and blah 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 blah, and. It's called the pirate ride. Well, uh, check out this what happened here. Oh, sorry. I need to get here. Stop it for about 10. Here. Good Listen. evening. A scare at Kennywood today when the park's pirate ship ride malfunctioned. This is, in, this is in Pittsburgh. This is the lead story on KDKA, uh, Pittsburgh's news leader. Yeah, it's about the pirate ride that wouldn't stop. Kennywood today when the park's pirate ship ride malfunctioned and they couldn't stop it for about 10 minutes. And no one was injured, thankfully, but several of the riders were shaken up, frightened, and some became nauseous. Paul Martino spoke with some of those riders. He is joining us live from outside the park. The thing wouldn't stop for 10 minutes. I don't know. What's wrong with that? I mean, I know it was a malfunction and and it's scary when it doesn't stop, but. They should have charged them extra. Wouldn't it be great to have them make them pay more since the ride was longer? 
Yeah, Julie, these riders are telling me they'll never get. Imagine being this guy, Paul Martino. He's like 80. Hey, Paul, go out and cover the pirate ride that wouldn't stop for us. Will you please get out there and then. Uh, on that pirate ship again. The giant- He's like, what am I doing out here? I'm 80 years old. I'm doing a story about a pirate ride that lasted 10 minutes. Oh, never mind. A Newcastle man's been charged. Sorry, after no, he's, and, he, and he's an anchor, too. But, yeah, I mean, can you imagine that uh, career development? Yeah, what do I say? I'm, I, was, I was fired, so I can't, I'm, not, I'm not any, any, any better, I guess. But yeah. What today when the park's pirate ship ride? Mal- so they interviewed people who were on the pirate ship for ten minutes, and it was way too long for them. And they the said they were. And then they said they were uh, they were traumatized by it. But to me, I think they 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 should have been happy they were on the ride for that long. Ten minute pirate ride. All right, I'm going to call Tony here. Hang on, people. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, uh, call me seven four five. Let me see if I have that number, Tony. Uh, shoot me the number again. Now, now he's giving me a, a, a different number. Um, let me see. Send. Sorry, folks. Let me the number. I'm texting him now because I. I, I that's the problem with this. Uh, this thing. I never know whether or not I have. Uh, I have a. I have a six six zero number, brother. Do do do. You guys are just. You guys are in the guts of the operation here. I'm taking you into the catacombs of the Radio Free Almond Show. Here we go. All right, let's do this. Uh, boop, 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 boop. Here we go. Are you guys ready for this? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it to it. Hey, good morning. Colonel Tony Minetti. How you doing, brother? Great. Are you ready for Minetti? <laughs> are you Are you in St. Louis? Yes, I'm in. Uh, I just got done with 113 or 114 counties. I'm uh, currently in St. Louis. Nice. You're bu- and I'm. Uh, I'm in Chesterfield right now. I'm going to a gun range at nine, and then um, Kirkwood, I think it's called, at noon for a uh, alternative medicine uh, seminar. Oh wow! And then we're going to a fundraiser in Troy. So I mean, uh, we're yeah, we're 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 doing well. You know, we're doing this uh, 114 county. Are you kidding me? Tour, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me? I mean, I know. I mean, that's that's. I I've heard you do the "Are you kidding me?" Uh, speech before, and I, I I love it. Are you at Andy's house then? Yes. Nice. Yes. All right. He's a good. He's a good man. Yeah. His just, wife. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, so for, for we, uh, the alternative medicine thing, before I get to this issue regarding uh, the right to work deal, all that stuff. Oh, by the way, how did that come up that you were talked to about right to work and, and, and why was that relevant to, to the U.S. Senate race? Yeah, you're right. It is a state issue. Um, but I think what happened was uh, that I, I've done this 114 county. No one else, I don't think, really has the pulse of how Missouri is going to vote than me right now. And and the reason I say that is that I'm not doing polls. I'm literally knocking on doors, uh, you know, and I'm meeting with people in businesses. And when you do that for 30 days straight and every county in Missouri, every rural town and farm, I mean, it's, it's been so eye opening for me and I'm listening to people. I'm looking at the signs and, and I'm here to tell you, 
that the people don't want right to work. And so you're going to, everyone that's hearing me right now, that the bureau, no one that I've met for the most part is going to vote for Josh Hawley. They don't like him. It's just the establishment feeding this false narrative. You understand? They're just throwing money and propping him up, but no one really wants the guy. He's a lot of climate politician. And, but, and he also threw our governor under the bus, but they also are not going to vote for prop a remember this conversation because come uh, next week, I'm going to win the Senate race for the primary and then defeat Claire. But I'm, but also it's going to be right to work. It's going to go. No, you see. Well, you know, it's interesting too, because, uh, you know, I have to tell you, president Trump, for instance, had a lot of symmetry with trade unionists and everything else. I had a lot of trade unionists to listen to, uh, the show, uh, before the election and a lot of people in the trades. And I've always pointed out that conservatives really don't have an issue with the trade unionists per se. Sometimes there are people who are reflexively anti-union, whatever, but the public employee unions are the ones that we really have an issue with. The trade unionists, uh, to me, if you're involved in some kind of contract with somebody uh, and the company agrees to it, then knock yourself out. That's your business. And so I never really was fully convinced that right to work was the way to go. Although I will tell you that there has been evidence that it has worked in other states, and I understand that too. But uh, what happened too is that Governor Greitens came into office, and right to work was the number one thing that they wound up passing. And it was interesting to me because before that, Greitens really wasn't necessarily hell-bent on getting it passed and, and and did it as a favor to some of the other statewide Republicans who wound up actually cutting him off at the knees eventually. So, so much for that. Yeah. But nonetheless, I, I, I was wondering, though, then there were people who were then not happy with your view of right to work. And I was thinking, well, it doesn't make any sense that he, he would even have to comment on it because it, it's not anything that you would have anything to do with as a U.S. senator, I would imagine. No, Jamie, you bring up a great point, but I think you know my character more than anyone, you know, because when people were cutting other people like yourself out the knees and yeah. and put you out the pasture, I stood by your side. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. You know, uh, you stand on truth and what you believe in a person's character, you know. Um, and when I listened to the people, I realized, uh, you know, I'm not a politician. You know that. But, but I'm here to serve the people of Missouri always and not the establishment elite and not my party. I'm going to be above politics. That's why I'm going to be your next United States senator. Because Hey, Tony, I'm having the people and not the elite. Yeah. I'm having, I'm having trouble with your phone. Are you, uh, in kind of a, are you able to kind of move around to some more open air thing? Because I think your phone is popping out on me. Sure. Oh, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. You know what I'll do? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm standing right near the window uh, now. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Hey, Jamie, the, the, what I what I wanted to tell the people that are listening right now and share with them is that I am not a politician. I'm a servant of the people, and it is my responsibility to put the America First gender forward. A misery always. So for the last 30 days, as I've been meeting with the people, they're all telling me one thing. We don't want right to work. We want a leader that's going to fight for the people and not the establishment, not the elite. So when I listen to the people, I didn't pray about it. And I think about it. I study the issue. And I said, I have to do the right thing. I could have 
been a politician and just told people it's not wise to do certain things. To, but then I said to myself, I'm not a politician. I'm going to be honest with the people, what I feel, and I'm going to represent them. So the people don't want right to work. I'm not going to rep- bend the knee to the RNC and these establishment elites. I'm going to bend the knee to the people. And that's what the decision is I made. And I stand by it. Yeah. Now, when you uh, are going, for instance, another thing I know that the people are interested in that, that I've been hearing from, because uh, you're going there to this alternative medicine deal in Kirkwood, and there are people who really are concerned about the fact that the federal government isn't uh, is way too picky and way too regulatory when it comes to differing forms of medical treatment. Marijuana is a perfect example of that, uh, or med- I'm sorry, medical marijuana is a perfect example of that. And there's some indication that the FDA and the people who are kind of controlling what gets through and what doesn't is way too heavy-handed in uh, standing in the way of of other alternative forms of medicine. There are lots of people who have cancer or Parkinson's disease or uh, MS or whatever it happens to be who desperately – need some of these other forms of medicine that don't come from the pharmaceutical industry. What's your take on that? Yeah. Um, my take on it is simple. I'm in favor of CBD with a medical prescription of a doctor. I will fight for American citizens and Missourians to be able to get better treatment alternatives rather than opioids and drugs. But you know why this is the case? The pharmaceutical companies, the insurance companies, they're, they are the ones that are lining the pockets of these politicians and I will not take their money, and I will fight for the people, and I'm for chiropractic medicine and you know, alternative medicines, uh, sources such as acupuncture, massages. These are things that work for regular day people that work all day with their hands and their backs. And now why is it that the insurance companies will only cover 10 to 12 visits and they're giving them pennies on the dollars? You know, so, yes, I will fight for American citizens, and I don't understand how and why uh, this – why is – Marijuana, class one drug. I want to decriminalize it for the most part. Now, am I in favor of uh, you know legalizing it? I'm studying the issue, but overall, I prefer to, to just stay firm on the uh, CBD as a uh, with the medical prescription of a doctor. Give it because it's working. My my wife is a mental health counselor. She tells me that that this is working and helping people. So why is it a class one drug? Can someone explain it to me? I mean, God bless me. I guess with common sense and. This is one of those things I just don't get, and that's why I'm going to this today. Because I'm going to let people know that I'm going to fight for them. No, I think you're. I think you're right on with that uh, assessment, and it's it's something that normal, average, everyday people talk about every single day. Because, as you point out, they live with this every single day, and they're confounded by the fact that their own government seems to be uh, competing with them or fighting against them. So I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. How are you feeling about yeah. – yes, sir. How are you feeling about uh, Kavanaugh, the Kavanaugh appointment? Great. Um, you know, he, he is exactly what we need. He's an originalist. Uh, he obviously has the right experience and judgment. He's a clear co- a choice I would, I would highly recommend. And if I was a United States senator – um, I would be uh, definitely affirming him. Uh, he's in alignment with me. I don't want activist judges. I want a judge that's going to be all about uh, you know the Constitution and interpreting it that way. So, uh, but I also think he has uh, just a lot of good, great judgments in the past. 
So I would be affirming him. And look, that's what we wanted a senator. Uh, I'm going to be a constitutional conservative fighting for, um, you know, less government, less tax, strong defense. I want term limits, balanced budgets, and I will affirm originalist judges, not these activist judges. They, these, that's the problem, Jamie. We got these politicians that are putting these activist judges who now make law rather than do their primary job. Uh, these judges should not be the legislature. And that's why you need strong leaders like me to do what's right. Yeah, well, listen, man, I know you've been fighting hard. and I know we're down to the wire on this and i uh, know you've been <laughs> you're, you're you're pretty busy brother and i know i know you're in in st louis today i mean already you're uh, making so many stops it's uh it's pretty fantastic and and how is your fundraising going uh, great it's, it's amazing the money's flowing in the people are excited i've, I've done over uh, half a million dollars in donations at a, an average contribution of a hundred a pop and so what but I still need, uh, you know, I, what I'm about to tell you is so minimal compared to the $50,000 chicken dinners that uh, Josh has thrown for him by these elites. And then, of course, Claire having President Obama doing fundraisers for her in Beverly Hills at 42000 a day, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to help me, here's the number I need by tomorrow evening, $12,500. If you can go to ManettiForSenate.com. And, and if I can ask people to give that amount of money, whether it's 200 or 2,500, please uh, help me make a small uh, dent. And that's what I'm trying. That's my final goal. For, and then I'm done with making my metrics. So thanks for asking. You know what's wonderful, Jamie? I've also realized that this race is about two words, faith and heart. I have faith in God. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior that God has put this upon my heart to do what is right, to bring back Judeo-Christian values and people of integrity into office to do what must be done to restore the republic. But I also believe that it's about heart. And I may have the heart of a Trump, but not his wallet. But the people are coming to me, Jamie. They are grateful that I'm leading a conservative revolution. And once I beat Josh, then I will beat Claire. And then I will go change Mitch. Ladies and gentlemen, enough of these rhino Republicans Enough of these people that pose as Republicans that were former libertarians. Enough of these carpetbaggers that lived in other states and now come to the state posing to be, you know, a MAGA and, and alternative uh, reasons for running. We need a true conservative, a warrior that's fought in war, that has run a Missouri business for 15 years, that has served in academia, but most importantly will do what he says he will do. And I'm Tony Minetti, and it is my hope that the people listening will rise up and stand up for an American patriot as we take our country back again. I was pretty surprised to see, and I talked to some of them, I talked to a dissenting member of this executive committee that decided they were going to go ahead and push their full support behind Josh Hawley. Uh, I talked to the Mark Anthony Jones, who said it was wrong of this committee to go ahead and say we're going to financially support, we're going to support Josh Hawley before the primary was even said and done. And even though there's precedent for setting aside Rule 11, a couple of examples of it, uh, this one didn't seem to meet the criterion for setting aside Rule 11. Are you all concerned about the that impact on the race or not? 
Yes. Um, but if anything, it's helped me because there are so many people that I'm meeting with that didn't even know what a rule 11 was. If you're like me, you're like, what? Are you kidding me? What the heck is a rule 11? What do you mean that you made a rule that you wouldn't endorse people prior to the primary? And now you're, you're going around that because I'm winning. You see, these guys know I'm winning the U.S. Senate race right underneath them. This B2 stalled bomber is putting bombs on target on time. And they're like, who the heck is this guy? We better stop. And uh, we got to throw more money at Josh. But here's the reverse effect is happening. People aren't stupid in this state. They're like, we're done with these kind of guys throwing money at a failed candidate who said he would not be a ladder climbing politician. Are you kidding me? I mean, I can't make this up. I'm literally using his commercial where he ran two years ago as attorney general say, hi, I'm Josh Hawley. You deserve better than these ladder climbing politicians. And then he does the same thing. I go, I'm Tony Manetti. I approve this message. And then he throws Governor Grimes under a bus. The guy who's like a warrior and, uh, messing up these people's lives because he's doing what he said he would do. Well, get ready. There's going to be another conservative outsider and a warrior that's not afraid to go to battle because I've almost died. You see, I've been shot at, Jamie, in Desert Storm at 400 feet at night by missiles coming at me and the airplane in front of me getting hit, but I kept going to battle, fighting for this country. And what this country needs is warriors, patriots like our founding fathers, people that will not make politics a career. But Mitch McConnell's been there for 33 years. Eric Claire has been there for 30 years. Are you kidding me in one form or another? How about you give a combat veteran, someone that's almost laid his life in defense of this country and died a chance to serve you again? That's why I will win, Jamie. That's why I will be your next United States Senator. It'll be my honor to serve you again. Colonel Manetti, thanks so much for being with us. Manetti for Senate.com. Godspeed to you. Good luck around the state today. And uh, we'll talk to you again probably right before the the actual primary on the seventh, because we've got, uh, we're going to kind of do a little round robin there. So make sure that uh, we'll make sure we hook up with you then before, right before the, the actual vote takes place. Yes, sir. Jamie, you're invited to my victory party. It'll be in Warrensburg. Uh, and, uh, and you can have some of my Manetti's pizza while you're at it. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. All right, man. Brother, God All, right. Bless you. All right. God bless you too. Thanks a ton. That's uh, Tony Ooh. Manetti. Somebody had chimed in on the, uh, Facebook page that Cortland Sykes, speaking of this uh, GOP thing, has already filed some legal papers or some recourse against these guys who uh, screwed the everybody but Hawley. And so good for Cortland Sykes to go and and pursue that. But we've got a lot of uh, folks. You all have different opinions about who you want. I get it, and I'm I'm glad. And that's why that's one of the things reasons why I've never made it a, a policy of mine to in, endorse candidates. And and even though that might I guess kind of sound wishy washy on my part, I I'm I'm not going to uh, endorse anybody. But I will work just as hard for everybody. And that's why I've been to every single well at least five the four candidates. Let's see. No, five. Is it five? I've been, I've, well, I had uh, Christy on the show. She hasn't had an event here in St. Louis that, that I've been invited to at least. So I, I, and I would go to Christy Nichols event if she had one. Uh, Cortland, obviously I've been there. Tony, I've been there in Kansas city. Um, Austin, I've had him on the air quite a bit, uh, and would go to, you know, any event that he had as well. And Peter Pfeiffer and, uh, Tony, did I say Tony already? And who else, who am I missing? Is that, am I missing anybody? Yeah, no. So I've, I've been, I've been for showing love to everybody because that's what I am. I'm a lover, not a fighter. 
I'm a hugger. Hug me. I try to discover a little something to make me sweeter. Oh, baby, refrain from breaking my heart. I'm so in love with you. I'll be forever blue. Gonna beat up on Jim Acosta again because it's fun. I just got through saying I'm a lover, not a fighter, and a hugger, but I make exceptions for some people. I put some people in a specific class, and Jim Acosta is not huggable. I'm not going to hug him. Some people are hot pokerable. For some people, I'm a hot pokerer, not a fighter. I'm a, I'm a hot poker and I'm a hugger. Acosta's driving me nuts because he's going on every TV show he could possibly go on and whining about how imperiled his sweet little life is. Jim Acosta, you know, I should be able to scream at the President of the United States and then turn around and demand that Americans be nicer to each other. Yeah, that'll work. Nobody's going to pick up on that hypocrisy, are they now? I'm going to claim that my life as a journalist in America is imperiled by these Trump supporters, even though I haven't done one story about a Trump supporter attacked while waiting in line for a rally or while leaving a rally or while playing baseball as a congressman or while just simply going about your business supporting President Trump or I'm not going to do a story about the people who decided on the day of the president's inauguration to light things on fire and break windows and turn cars over I'm not going to do any of those stories but me boy you yell CNN sucks and Suddenly, I, I need Secret Service protection. you got to be kidding me. Margaret, that is the Erasure. E-R-A-S-U-R-E's for Monday, man. A little respect. It's good. Yeah, Jim Acosta, why don't you give a little respect to the President of the United States? Because... Suddenly, it's not so fun to be screamed at, is it now? I mean, I'm not about screamed at gratuitously, although let me tell you something. People have more of a reason to scream CNN sucks than they do you, than you have screaming at the President of the United States while they're sitting there with the Prime Minister of Italy. Anyway, you want to hear Jim Acosta when he sat down with... And those of you who heard me rant about this very early at the top of the show, forgive me, but a lot of people have picked up onto the stream and everything else, so I want to treat you to a little Jim Acosta takedown just because it's uh, fun and because it's just kind of much needed 
So Acosta appears with S.E. Cup, who's a never Trumper, and Newsbusters has the bit here. And yeah, here we go with the wine festival brought to you by S.E. Cup, the never Trump Republicrat, who for whatever reason now is wandered out into the lake so far she can't swim back. So you might as well go ahead and go bigger, stay home, and just dive right in to being an anti-Trumper and dive right in to, to, to taking in Jim Acosta's just uh, string of BS when it comes to his treatment. Remember, he was being yelled at. People yelled CNN sucks to him. It's interesting how the very same people, the same journalists out there who are crying for their First Amendment rights and who want freedom and they don't want people to be uh, to be to, to their voices to be locked down or not. But then when somebody actually exercises their freedom of speech and says CNN sucks, then suddenly it's all poor me, Jim Acosta, poor little Jimmy. Jim, we've seen your your videos and I've I've been to these events too. I've met with countless. Yep. Trump supporters, even I was shocked at the level of vitriol that was aimed your way last night. Oh, Jim- you were, were you? Have you ever seen Jim Acosta, S.E. Cup? I mean, I know you've been to the rallies, and I know you've, uh, you've, you've soiled yourself by rubbing shoulders with these deplorables that you so shiftlessly demean during the campaign and everything else, I realize it was really hard for you to be among the the masses there of, of deplorable idiots and, and, and white grievance-ridden individuals from mid-America and beyond. I know that's hard for you, SC Cup, to get your high heels dirty on the floors of, that, that are walked on by people with dirt on their boots. But yeah, you know, have you ever seen Jim Acosta and his behavior at a news conference or at a Trump event? Have you seen the guy screaming at the top of his lungs when he knows the president can't hear him? Have you seen the guy badgering the president when he's invited into the Oval Office, a place where probably a majority, 99% of Americans will never be invited into? They'll never be graced with the ability to be five feet away from the President of the United States in the Oval Office. But when Jim Acosta is, he decides it's going to be all about him, and he's going to yell at the President of the United States to the point where he's got to be kicked out of the damn place. An idea of what it felt like to be in the middle of it. Well, Essie, I mean, honestly, it felt like we weren't in America anymore. Oh, really? Well, let me tell you something, dude. Ask the person from San Jose when she had to clean egg out of her hair what country she felt like she was in. That woman was at a Trump rally. She's an American citizen who had the audacity to decide that she wanted to support an American candidate, and she summarily had egg thrown in her face by one of the left-wing Democrats, Hillary Clinton supporters or Bernie Sanders supporters, ask her what kind of country she felt she was in. Hey, what kind of country? Did you ever ask Steve Scalise, Jim Acosta, what country he felt like he was in when one of, I guess, your uh, celebrated left-wing goons arrived with a gun and started peppering a ball field with bullets. You know why? 
because these congressmen happen to be from a different party than him. What kind of country do you think Steve Scalise felt he was in when he was crawling and bleeding on, a, on the grass, wondering whether he was going to live or die as bullets flew? What kind of country do you think he was in, Jim Acosta? What kind of country do you think that President Trump felt like he was in and his supporters felt like he was in in Chicago when he had to cancel a rally? Because of threatened violence. What kind of country do you think people felt like they were in then? It certainly wasn't America. And then you, you big pussy, can't tolerate anybody demanding that you be factual or be fair. You, you big pussy, can't tolerate another American deciding they're going to yell too. Because, you know, after all, Jim Acosta, right? You're the only one who's allowed to yell, correct? You're the only one that's allowed to be rude, aren't you? But when some of these minions, otherwise known as Americans, decide they're going to say what they believe, you just can't tolerate it. Now you got to claim that this isn't America anymore. Uh, I I don't know how to put it uh, any more plainly than that. Uh, Americans should not be treating their fellow Americans in this way. Yeah, right. So let me ask you this, Jim Acosta. Is President Trump considered a fellow American, or is he just another uh, punching bag for you and your left-wing viewpoints? Because Jim Acosta is a Democrat. There's zero question about that. So let's put it this way. You are demanding that fellow Americans treat fellow Americans with respect and dignity and shouldn't treat them the way, I guess, what these people yelling CNX or, uh, sucks are treating you. But it's fully okay for you to treat your fellow American, who, by the way, is elected to the highest office in the land by the American people. It's okay for you to yell at that fellow American knowing he's not going to answer your question and doing it only for performance sake because you know he's he, sometimes he can't even hear you when you're yelling. You just do it for the cameras. And then you put it on the air and you congratulate yourself and Don Lemon calls you a stud and then suddenly that's okay for you to go ahead and treat your fellow American with that kind of indignity, right? Right. Okay. I'm getting. But I'm getting there. Unfortunately, what we've seen, and this has been building for some time since the campaign. I've been. I've been talking about this as an issue since the campaign, when the president uh, during the campaign referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar, scum, and thieves, and so on. And then he rolled that right into uh, the Oval Office and started calling us fake news and the enemy of the people. Uh, he is whipping these crowds up into a frenzy. Yeah. All we have to do is watch you report, and we're whipped up into a frenzy. All we have to do is watch you and your antics on TV. We don't need President Trump to tell us what an awful fool you are. We just have to watch you on TV, dude. We do it every single day. We see you doing this. Every single day. We see you and your bias and your stunts and your crap that you shove out of the tube there at CNN. So this idea that somehow President Trump is the one who is putting people into a frenzy, no. All you have to do is look at these reports and look at what Jim Acosta does. By the way, uh, he mentioned thieves. Has President Trump called them thieves? Uh, let me see. Or, or I mean, 
I don't think he's called them thieves. Uh, the Oval Office and started calling us fake news and the enemy of the people. Let me see you. Building for some time since the campaign. I've been I've been talking about this as an issue since the campaign. When the president uh, during the campaign referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar, scum, and thieves, and so on. And then he. I don't recall the president ever referring to reporters as thieves. Now, I might be mistaken, and if you can correct me on Facebook, I'm more than happy to do that. But I don't recall the president calling anybody in the media During the campaign, thieves. referred to us as the dishonest media, the disgusting news media, liar, scum, and thieves, and so on. And then he rolled that right into uh, the Oval Office. So even when Jim Acosta is reporting on being abused for being the fake news media and for being biased, he lies. He makes stuff up. Because to my knowledge, the president has never in any way, shape, or form called the news media thieves. And again, am I being picky, am I? Aw. Am I, am, I, am I being picky by asking Jim Acosta to be accurate? In his portrayal of what the president says about him, am I, am I off base here by simply picking out a little word? Or should I just allow Jim Acosta to just blather on and make things up as he goes? Because I guarantee you, and, 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 and I'm leaving open the possibility that I am wrong, but I don't recall the president ever calling reporters thieves. And, and, and somebody out there might be saying, and Jim Acosta probably would, oh, I, 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 it's, just a, it's just a figure of speech. It's just a, you know, you know, he might as well have called us that. Well, you know what? That's our problem with you guys is because you, if you're not jumping to conclusions, you're making crap up. And Jim Acosta just made that up. Even when he's, when he's decrying the fact that the president is calling what he does fake news, he gives us fake news while he's decrying being called a fake news guy. Now, again, I don't think he ever called anybody a thief, the president, in the media. Never. So again, is it too much to ask for, for Jim Acosta to be uh, accurate? whipping yeah. these crowds up into a frenzy uh, to the point where they, they really want to come after us. And, we, you know, we have these. Dude, if they wanted to come after you, they would have come after you. Believe me, if they wanted to come after you, they have easy access to you. You know how they would come after you, Jim Acosta, the people you so fear? They'd come after you when after your live shot, you went down and you go down and talk to them because that's what you do, Jim. I saw it on your Twitter feed because you retweet the pictures of you going down and talking to the people who have been yelling at you. And the tweets are always about how nice of a guy Jim Acosta is. Jim's such a nice guy. He really is, in reality, a nice guy. He spends sometimes even 15 minutes with the people who are yelling at him, the Trump supporters. I'm interested in, wow, that doesn't, it, the pictures I've seen of you rubbing shoulders with these people hasn't indicated one ounce to me that you're actually really scared of them. Because believe me, that would be the time when you'd get a fist to your face, wouldn't it, Jim? So if they, if, they, if, they, if they wanted to go after you, 
believe me, they already would have gone after you. Which is why it's so odd as Jim with SE Cup is deciding that he is going to talk about the barriers, you know, the, the, these the, the, bike rack uh, like barriers around the press cage, as we call it, mm-hmm. uh, to protect us essentially from people who might take things too far. Ah, my, my- yeah, right. So, so at the same time, Jim Acosta is talking about look at these uh, bike rack like barriers that we have to put up in the event that these deplorables try to attack me. But after the live shot, then I just go down and start talking to them. I'm like, oh, huh. I wonder if Jim's going to mention that in this piece with SE Cup or whether SE Cup is going to actually bring it up. Jim, you know, it's interesting. Well, she would never do it. Jim, it's interesting that you would, uh, that you would talk about all the barriers around you. But then once your live shot is over, you go around the barriers and talk to the people. So how afraid can you really be of these individuals? Or is this just another example of the news media making crap up again? In this case, making up this idea that they're under threat or under siege or that they're fearing for their own physical safety. Because Jim Acosta isn't fearing for his physical safety. This guy will talk about it and claim that he is. But his own Twitter feed shows that he's not that afraid because he's just going around the barriers, getting his picture taken with people trying to suck up to them or ask them why they're so mad at him or whatever. But he doesn't include any of that in here. And part of the reason why he doesn't include it is not only because he's trying to lie, but he's again, it would show if he did include it, that these Trump supporters are just simply exercising their own freedom of speech and deciding they're going to yell too. Because after all, they're only modeling the behavior of Jim Acosta, who's a yeller. And when Jim Acosta yells, it's free speech. When a deplorable yells, it's a threat. Interesting concept there, Jim. Very interesting concept of it, SE, is that the, that these opinions that these folks have at these rallies, they're shaped by what they see in the primetime hours of Fox News and what they hear from some conservative news outlets. Yeah, once again, Jim, you're wrong because you're a member of the Enemy media and you don't care about accuracy. We just got through talking about how you said the president called you guys thieves and he's never done that. You said you fear for your life or your own safety, and it's clear you don't by the pictures we see of you hobnobbing with these individuals. And now you just told another lie, and that is that these individuals saying CNN sucks, their behavior is shaped by what they see from Sean Hannity. No, Jim, it's shaped by what we see on CNN. It's shaped by what we see every single day When we tune in, if we dare to, but oftentimes it's up there on the screen anyway, you can't avoid the damn station. The only time I've ever seen actually Fox News on a TV in a public place, I'm talking about whether it be a restaurant or whether it be a... uh, an airport or whatever, the only time I've ever seen Fox News on 
is when I was in Washington, D.C. in the springtime over Memorial Day weekend, and we went into a Whataburger? I can't remember whether it was a Whataburger or a – it wasn't a Five Guys. It was a Whataburger, I think, or not. Or there's another burger place too. I can't remember uh, what it was. So many different burger places now, but it was – there's Whataburger. Um, there's uh, – Something burger. But anyway, it was just a restaurant. And I remember sitting there. I took a picture of it. I still have the picture. I, I actually took a picture of it. It was so amazing to me to see Fox News on while I'm sitting there with the family. And they're eating. I'm going, wow, Fox News is on in this restaurant. It's crazy. Who thought of that? Anyway, all you have to do is watch what's in, oh, in and out. Thank you, Suzanne. Thank you. It was In-N-Out. Thank you. It was In-N-Out Burger. That's right. And and they had – because I think there's an In-N-Out here in St. Louis. I think the guy who owns In-N-Outs is a – oh, Scooter says Flying J always has on Fox News. Awesome. That's a that's, – I guess that's, a, that's a, the truck stop, right? Yeah. Uh, but I think In-N-Out is, is owned by a St. Louisan. I'm fairly certain. Whenever Burger Place is owned originally by a St. Louisan, that's where I saw the Fox News thing on. So I think it was in and out. Anyway, the fact of the matter is all we have to do is watch TV to see the behavior of Jim Acosta and the rest of the gang to, 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 ha- to have our opinion shaped about the news media. President Trump, when he called the news media the enemy, didn't invent our disgust for the news media. President Trump, as usual, simply reflected it and reflected our true feelings. I didn't I didn't have to have President Trump tell me the news media is the enemy media. Those people yelling at Jim Acosta did not have to hear from President Trump for them to be in a frenzy when they saw Jim Acosta. We know exactly who Jim Acosta is. He's the guy that screams and yells every time there's a news conference only about him, self. I'm I'm actually going to go back here to this. uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. on. Let me just, oh, here. No, 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 no. So it's interesting when I go now to MSNBC. So there's CNN there, and then there's MSNBC. Nicole Wallace, who is another Republican turncoat, another never-Trump Republican. Nicole Wallace, and I was educated on this earlier by one of you folks. Thank you very much. Nicole Wallace used to work for the McCain campaign. She's one of these uh, political operatives, and, and these are individuals who are – Failures. Nicole Wallace was a failure. John McCain was a failure. He didn't win. So he lost, right? So it's interesting now that all the never Trump analysts out there, there's a guy named Rick something or other. I can't remember his name. He's a useful mule on MSNBC too. Rick something or other. I think I used to know his name, and then I just – I think I blocked it out because of my disdain for him. Anyway, he's a never-Trumper. He used to work for McCain and all these other Republicans, and he's a failure too because he hasn't he – hasn't, these guys who call themselves 
consultants and strategists. <laughs> this Rick dude calls himself a strategist. Yeah, you're a you're a strategist, all right. Remind me to remind me to play you in chess for money or in checkers or cards or whatever it is because if if you're if you're a strategist in that vein, then I got you dead to rights. Anyway, this Rick guy is calls himself a strategist. And Nicole Wallace, when she used to do interviews, and now she's an anchor on MSNBC. How did that happen? She's an anchor on MSNBC. So Nicole, uh, Rick Davis, yeah, Rick, darn it. How can I not remember this dude's name? Crap. I think it's Davis. Uh, Melissa, thank you, though. Okay, you know what? Now I'm going to find it because I got I to. I, now, now I'm obsessed. I got to find it. I just put in Rick, never Trump. Rick, strategist. <laughs> uh, never Trump. All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. You're getting inside my uh, busted synapses here. Rick, strat- Rick, 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 Rick. Uh, let's see. Um, there he is. Uh, Rick Wilson. Yeah, it's Rick Wilson. He's a strategist. He's a never Trump guy, and he's always interviewed on MSNBC as a as a political strategist. I'm like, dude, have you ever won or have you ever won anything in politics? What race have you actually really ever won, Rick Wilson? I guarantee you, never. What race has Nicole Wallace ever won? Thank you, Phyllis. What what race has Nicole Wallace ever won? Nothing. But there she is. She's the in-house consultant who's now an anchor. Now, okay. Anyway, I digress. Imagine these people who are talking about freedom of the press and about how terrible it is that the Trump campaign will call the en- journalists the media and then ultimately will – in one way, shape, or form, silence voices. That's what he's really trying to do. He's trying to silence voices, and it's a threat to our voices out there. Imagine the gall it takes to actually report on this and then do what Nicole Wallace did. Listen to this. There was a recounting of the responsibilities of the press, so they tried again. Look, while we support that or not, while we certainly support freedom of the press, we also support freedom of speech. uh, And we think that those things go hand in hand. (laughs) Joining us now, New York Times chief. You know, we're not going to air that anymore. Let's make that the last Sarah Huckabee Sanders clip ever Ever? aired at four o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So Nicole Wallace, on the one hand, will tell you, we want freedom, and they're trying to drown out voices. And then we'll play a soundbite from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, then declare that she never wants to hear from Sarah Huckabee Sanders again on the air. I'm thinking, um, that doesn't make much sense because you're just telling us that you are not wanting to have voices drowned out, but you're more than happy to drown out voices. That's why, people, we have such a problem with the news media because they are not only hypocritical, but they are absolutely, in every way, shape, and form, totally dishonest.
There you go. Oh, see it every day, people. See it every single day. The word is about there's something evolving. You all don't seem to be too lathered up about the Pope, do you? The world keeps revolving. Declaring that they say the next big thing is here. That the revolution's near. But to me it seems quite clear. Death penalty is all just a little bit of history. Now unacceptable. And the Catholic Church just rewrote, or not rewrote, but just added a brand new Catholic Church teaching. Yes, indeed. Red State, which I normally don't really appreciate all that much, has a piece out. And it kind of is a reflection of what we talked about earlier. And they have proof that Jesus was not a socialist. Talked about that a little while back, and uh, it's so true. I don't need to uh, school you on that. Also, what's up with the race in Texas? Ted Cruz. There's a Texas Senate poll there, and of course you all know that as much as we might have had some disagreements with Ted Cruz and with the situation involving his fight against President Trump, we had you. Uh, we all kind of went back and forth, Cruz supporters and Trump supporters, and they there's a lot of contention there, but I think that's generally been resolved, and Ted Cruz has been a very good supporter of most of President Trump's policies. He's been a pretty good soldier there in the U.S. Senate, so I wouldn't want anything to happen to Ted Cruz in the U.S. Senate. I think he is actually the, even before he ran for president, I always thought of him as a quintessential U.S. Senator. Because because he is an obstructionist, because he is a guy who gets in the, in there and says no, okay with government shutdowns, that kind of thing. The U.S. Senate was created as an obstruction, and Senator Cruz is, the, is a quintessential obstructionist. You see, it's funny, because among the general news media and the left, Anytime a Republican speaks their mind, it's like, oh, you need to calm down. You need to be, you need to be less divisive. You're too divisive. We're calling for, we're calling for more bipartisanship here. And usually, when a person on the left demands more bipartisanship, all they're doing is wanting you to agree with them. Because they're not bipartisan by any stretch of the imagination. And whenever they call you divisive, it's only because you don't agree with them. That makes you divisive in this country. I've actually never... Have you guys ever heard, by the way, of a... Of a a Democrat or a left-winger ever being called divisive? I mean, even when they're burning cars and breaking windows and beating the crap out of Trump supporters, they're not called divisive. Are they? That's interesting. I, I'm, I'm, I just now am, am noticing that, and, and forgive me for just getting 
on board with it. But yeah, I never really have heard the left or Democrats called divisive. I've actually never heard in the news media the term left wing. I've heard right wing a lot. In fact, I, I, I even hear right wing from conservatives who, who use it disdainfully usually for anybody who doesn't agree with them. But I've actually never heard, you know, well, I guess, I guess maybe sometimes in some panel discussion I've heard people refer to as left wing. But as but as a term a piece of terminology or as a as a means of like like when the post dispatch does a story about a Republican, they'll call somebody a right wing Republican, but we'll never call them I've never heard a left I've never heard the post refer to anybody as a left wing Democrat. It's interesting. By the way, I'm seeing a lot of signs around town. We're actually in some of the so-called Democrat enclaves, like uh, Webster Groves in a day. I know no offense to those of you, uh, you good people there in in Webster Groves, but but uh, you good Republicans there. But I don't know how you survive there because you go to that, that place, and man, that's, every sign is some is. Some left wing, you know, hell, they're even promoting Wesley Bell as the St. Louis County prosecutor. Can you imagine that? Sure, Wesley. Thumbs up, buddy. As the the St. Louis County over McCullough? You kidding me? Nowadays, as long as as you're just, you know, kind of uh, an outgrowth of of some left wing political enclave, you know, or, or or as long as you're associated with that moron Stacy Newman, you suddenly have get your get 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 your sign posted in a uh, in the front yard. You know, Stacy Newman's become quite the activist lately. That's interesting. It'll be uh, it'll be a fun autumn for Stacy Newman. Believe me. And it won't be fun because of her activism. It'll be fun because of mine. Anyway, I saw a lot of signs. It's interesting. Lacey Clay has a primary challenger. And the primary challenger is Cori Bush. And apparently there are a lot of people who support Cori Bush there. By the way, I, some, I, I keep getting texts, and I, I should respond to them. Uh, Noga Sachs, who's uh, running against Ann Wagner, they're trying to get me to have her on with me, and I should probably do it, right? Do you think I should have Noga on? There are some people who say she's not really a real Republican, that she's kind of in there just to agitate. But I ought to at least have her on, don't you think? Uh, I, I, I probably should. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to – and I, I will. I think I'll have her on just to find it. I want to see, hear what she's about. I met her at the Cortland Sykes event. She was there at the at the Cortland Sykes event. Let me see if I can uh, figure out. I, I haven't really – I'm sorry, but I haven't really necessarily paid a whole hell of a lot of attention. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, okay. Yeah, the campaign manager called me. What's her on? I'll get her on. Sure, Noga Sachs. What do you guys think of her, by the way? Do you know anything about her? She's running against Ann Wagner, but there are people who are saying, watch out, because she's not really a, um, a Republican. But I don't know. I'll have to. I'll have to see what that's all about. I like Ann uh, a lot, and Ann Wagner's a good person. But I got. I got to figure out what Noga Sachs is all about. Maybe, huh? Get her on. Anyway, but but yeah, Corey Bush signs and Wesley Bell signs all over the place. Like, you, you guys, you out of your mind? <laughs> how how would it be possible? How would be it would, would it be possible that? Democrat that the St. Louis County would have Wesley Bell as the St. Louis County prosecutor. Crazy. Anyway, here's the here's a Texas poll, and uh, it, it, you got to be careful about this. Okay, Ted Cruz is running at forty one percent, and this Beto O'Rourke is running at thirty nine percent. And you're trying to figure out, okay, wait a minute, a two-point lead for a really actually a well-known Republican, Scooter wants me to have one. I, I agree with you, Scooter. I, th- I think I should have I mean, she's running. I, there's no way reason for me to, to gatekeep candidates on this show. If you're a candidate you want to be on the show, I'll have you on the show. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Even even if there's a chance that she's not really a real Republican, I still should have her on the show and just find out what's up. Anyway, a two-point lead for a Republican incumbent in Texas is pretty crazy. I mean, that's that's a that's a scary thought. And 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 some are trying to make it out to be like, oh, do you see? The blue wave is here. This is the big blue wave. And so when you see this head-to-head number. Uh, and it's so far the worst one Ted Cruz has seen head to head against a Democrat, forty one thirty nine. That's a pretty menacing number, and it's weird. A fifty one to forty nine lead would be a white knuckle numbers for anybody, but it's weird if he's sitting at forty one percent. There are a lot of Texans who apparently are undecided right now. And I don't know how you can be in Texas and and see this and be undecided. But, I mean, I'm talking about like, like oh, let's see, uh, Cruz or Beto O'Rourke. It's like, uh, how are you how are you processing this whole thing in your mind? It's kind of like if you're undecided on November 5th in the presidential election back back in, in November. If, if, if there were people who were undecided voters, I'd be like, uh, what? How are you undecided at this point between, between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump? I don't know. Hmm. Let's see. Should I choose Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton? It's like, no way. I mean, I, it's 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 crazy, but apparently, um, they're they're apparently they're people who are undecided in Texas. But then you see this poll, and this was by the uh, Texas Lyceum. I don't know what the 
hell that is, but but why don't we go since since Mark Kaysen thinks Quinnipiac is the uh, Quinnipiac is the is the god of all of all poles. This is showing Cruz at forty nine percent and O'Rourke at forty three. And that's, you know, a 6% separation. But I don't know. I, I always worry about these polls because I know that when I was polled and, yeah, that, that's, that's the Quinnipiac poll, the 49-43, and the Texas Lyceum poll is the 41 to 39. But, okay, anyway, when I was polled before the election – in 2016, I did have like I like, but I was pulled by like Republicans, like it was in mailers and things like that, like the RNC. And I said I was voting for Hillary Clinton. I told it anybody who asked that I was voting, anybody who asked, you know, in a who didn't know me, that I was voting for Hillary Clinton. I did that on purpose because I hate polls, and I think that. Oftentimes they're just simply push polls and oftentimes they are just meant to desire an outcome. And that's what I think we saw in the 2016 election that there were individuals who were just simply choosing at that point to push the election of Hillary Clinton and that's how – that whole thing happened as far as I'm concerned. So uh, I really didn't put much stock in them, but I decided that I was going to go ahead and say it anyway and and do uh, and say that I was voting for Hillary Clinton just to fool them because I think they deserve to be fooled. And maybe this is what's going on here. You get a call from Polster. There's no evidence that you're actually going to vote. And... You could just simply say, oh, yeah, sure, I like her because I hate Ted Cruz. Whatever. doesn't matter. Another story about uh, the fact that politicians in France have now decided they're going to ban individuals from using uh, uh, smartphones on, on campuses. So they're banning all – they're banning all phones in all schools in France. Gia, you think that's a good idea? I don't know. But, you know, here's the other thing, too. Did you see the news about how there are now continually the bans on straws? Uh, In South Korea, they've banned plastic bags and disposable coffee cups. And Australia, though, has reintroduced plastic bags at some point it's it banned single-use plastic bags and you guys remember back in the day when the grocery store clerks you know the checkers sometimes would in my opinion kind of try to shame you because you'd they'd say paper or plastic and if you asked for plastic you were some kind of enviro nazi remember those days when they paper or plastic was like a like was like a uh, was like a judgment question for you 
because because if you said if you said uh, plastic, you wanted to kill dolphins or whatever it is they they claim were uh, causing all the problems uh, in terms of the plastic bags in our waterways and everything else. But now apparently it's perfectly okay to use plastic bags because you know what it turned out? It turned out that the creation of a paper bag actually did, in fact, create more carbon in the and you know to 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 do all that killing trees and doing all that kind of stuff. It actually wound up being more harmful for the environment. If you really want to get right down to it, I don't think. Either one's really that harmful for the environment, but if you had, it would be more harmful for the environment to uh, to create a, a paper bag than it would be a plastic bag. So now plastic bags are perfectly okay, although I still technically prefer paper, but plastic bags are perfectly okay now. In Italy, you have to pay for plastic bags. Every single plastic bag costs you money. I don't think that's such a bad thing, to tell you the truth. And you know what else I don't think is such a bad thing? Going back to deposits on bottles. I don't know how we got to the point where I'm I'm looking at, for instance, my consumption of water bottles and and of of, – and I see everybody and their mother carrying around these plastic water bottles. And sure, some of the plastic water bottles are, in fact, uh, recycled plastic, which is which is a good thing. But the recycled plastic water bottles, I got to tell you, when when you're utilizing those, if you if you you can't even you, you open the stuff and the water just flies all over you. It's kind of it's kind of strange in that sense. The water's like splashing all over you because the bottles are so weak. But I don't know where all these plastic bottles are going. I know that people are trying to recycle and do all that kind of thing, but for the most part, I bet you a lot of them just still wind up in the in the landfills and everything else. But I but I have to tell you, I do remember the days when you'd return your bottles and you'd get five cents, and that was pretty damn groovy, especially for me when I needed some little extra cash as a kid for some baseball cards or something. I would go ahead and and climb on that, and and, and I'll return the bottles, Mom. Sure. Because I get five cents a bottle. Be awesome. All right. Other news. So now we have a New York Democrat who is our favorite Democrat there that that Mr. Kasin likes. Now she is wanting to abolish ICE. Ocasio-Cortez, that's their big thing now. A Democrat Party, when they're not going after plastic straws, they're now going after ICE, and they want a ban on the Immigration Enforcement Agency. So how how is it possible that you could imagine a USA where you basically cancel out – you might as well cancel out the Department of Homeland Security because it's it's too much in your business – or abolish the TSA because they keep confiscating your water bottles or whatever it happens to be. But they're claiming that ICE is actually born of from xenophobia. 
that it's grown to become a tool of fear and illegality. And Ocasio-Cortez, the Democrat candidate for the House seat in New York, is now that's officially her thing to abolish ICE. The Democratic Party, at this point now, all they have going for them is a push to cost you more money by increasing your taxes. They want to destroy the economy by trying to juice a minimum wage to $15 an hour everywhere. They want to abolish ICE, and they are encouraging individuals to attack people who disagree with them in the formulation of Maxine Waters. And it's pretty interesting that it's Trump who's accused of leading a hate movement by CNN and the others, but the reality is it's the Democrat Party who seemingly have a monopoly on abolishment, hate, of supporting MS-13, supporting higher taxes, and beyond. And also, for that matter, supporting, for instance, attacks on people who otherwise disagree with you. So if, the, if, if that's the blue wave, folks, you got to make sure you get your butts out there and you vote. You got to make sure that you know exactly what's at stake here. There was some supposition on the part of some people that somehow conservatives were going to be so happy. This is this is kind of ridiculous thought processes, but this is what they're saying. Conservatives are going to be so happy they're going to be complacent and they're not going to go to the polls. Now, let me tell you ask you something just as a as a human being, when you're really with hap- happy with something, what is your first instinct to continue on with your happiness or to just simply abruptly end it? A or B? Yeah, A, of course. So it stands to reason that Trump supporters and conservatives and people who are happy with the economy, small businesses and beyond, like the guys at Discovery Design, where they're sponsoring my studio here, Discovery Design Inc., it stands to reason that these individuals who are kind of happy with the way things are going on, uh, going, are going to keep these things going. It's human nature. When you like something, you want to continue doing it. And when you don't, Well, you stop doing it. So this idea somehow that we're all just going to be a bunch of fat and happy people sitting there underneath our tree sipping a lemonade and saying, boy, life is good. We don't need to go to the polls. You're out of your trees. In fact, when it comes to even the primary in August and certainly the election in November – We're going to be out there. We're going to be out there in a big way, believe me. We're going to flock to the polls, not unlike we flocked to the polls in November of 2016. And believe me, come 2020, if you think we're going to let you pry President Trump out of our deplorable hands, 
you're out of your mind. We're going to have a nice, good, firm grip on this guy. And it doesn't matter whether you're a Democrat who thinks you can take him out or whether you are a Republican like Ben Sass, who thinks you can take him out. You are in for a brand new story here. Now, here's the thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Joe Biden decides to run for president on the Democrat side, even though Joe Biden is old. I don't think he's I don't think he's necessarily that old. And I think that if you're a Democrat, that's going to be your only hope of even pretending to give President Trump a run for his money. And and I hope actually that Biden runs because I've got a lot of drinking, smoking, Kent jokes and fingering, well, running my fingers through the hair of 14-year-old daughters of incoming U.S. senators. So, yeah, I've got, I've got a lot of those jokes on hand, so that'll be fun to do. But Joe Biden, apparently in early polls, and again, these are polls, so please, uh, with a grain of salt, uh, take them. Biden is giving President Trump a run for his money in these polls. And so watch out for Joe Biden. I'm just I'm just saying, you know, even even when Biden was with Obama and Biden did his little speech, I remember in 2008 or was it in 2012, I don't remember. But I remember watching it from a hotel room when I was at one of the conventions or the Democratic convention. I don't know whether it was 2008 or 2012, I can't remember. Maybe 2008, a long time ago, Denver. And we, for some reason, had to get the show ready, so we kind of left early and decided to plug in to Biden on the uh, on his speech on the on the floor there in the final night. And Biden has a pretty interesting personal story, so you got to kind of watch out for that whole thing. You got to you got to watch out for Joe Biden, but I'm not too worried about him because President Trump is successful. The economy is successful. We're seeing some of the biggest economic numbers we've seen in years. And so I'm not worried about it. And believe me, we are going to the polls. We are going to vote people. Yes, indeed. We're going to be there. Yep. Not going to pry President Trump out of our warm hands. That's for sure. See you maybe at Santino Cigars and Cocktails later on today, huh? Be there around 6 o'clock. Yeah, I'm going to have a little monkey 47, maybe. Or maybe a little yippee kai yay. I don't know. But I hope to see you down there. Thank you to Mike and Shannon for your support of the show. Santino Cigars and Cocktails, Vogel Road and Arnold. Thank you also to the Naputi Wellness Center, Eric Naputi, NaputiWellness.com for his support of the show. Thank you also to Mattress King, One Mattress King. Make an appointment with them. Get one of those awesome bamboo mattresses or maybe even the flex foam pillow that Chris Kahneman gave me yesterday. I slept on it last night. It was great. Very comfortable. 
Thank you to Matthew Mitchell and the Matthew Mitchell Allstate Agency. 855-QUOTE-ME for all of your insurance needs, home, life, auto. I'm there. Got them all. Thank you to Discovery Design, discoverydesigninc.com. We're a sponsor the studio. Thank you to Golden Oak Lending as you guys prepare to hop on board and support this show. Appreciate you guys very much. Well-known name in town and love that they are supportive of what I'm doing. Also check out Proctor Drapery. Michael Proctor is about to pull the trigger too and get on board. Proctor spelled like doctor, proctordrapery.com. So we are building a huge financial force to support Radio Free Almond, and I appreciate them. So encourage them, and please go and check them out. All of my sponsors, and there are more coming too, believe me. More coming down the pike. And thank you to Rick and Tracy Ellis for their support of me, by the way. You know what I told you? I'm gradually getting my real estate license. I'm still doing this. Don't worry. It's going to be kind of a a gig I'm going to be doing. And I'm kind of an intermediary for them. I'll give you all that info tomorrow. 409 is my number. You can call me there, and I'll refer you directly to Rick and Tracy. They'll take care of you personally for all of your for all of your real estate needs. They'll sell your commercial operation, your home, or if you want to buy, they got that for you too. <laughs> Scooter says, don't forget the Rubicon. Yeah, I, I can't really, uh, Dave Sinclair can't advertise with me yet because he's on the other station still, but loving my Jeep. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.